She's not a robot, Annie. She's a little girl. With little girl emotions, which are wildly unpredictable. Charlie? She just has to shove it down and keep it hidden. Our responsibility is getting her ready. Our responsibility is to protect her. Charlie? If they catch her, they're going to put her in a cage. Charlie? They're going to run tests on her for the rest of her life. We'll never see her again. Ufu catches me. Charlie McGee is a healthy eight-year-old girl. Normal in every way. Charlie, now watch what you're doing. But one. Did she do that? What are you going to do with her? Robert, you're here. So you can do all your tests. And you give her to me. Charlie has the power. Do something bad. Will you still love me? Oh, she can set things on fire. Something's happening in there. With just a glance. It is a power she does not want. Stick with him. Daddy, I'm scared. So am I, honey. A power she cannot control. Back up. You understand how to use it. It can't be a reaction. It's got to be a decision. That's the only way that you can control it. She's becoming a young woman. I'm not going to jail. And someday soon... You're going to change the world. She may be capable of a nuclear explosion. Run, Charlie! On your knees! Simply with the force of her mind. Burn it down. I mean, burn it all down. The whole world's going to hell. Promise me that you'll never use your gifts to hurt people. Only hurt bad people, I promise. Trust me, Charlie. You don't have to be afraid. Please, I can help you. Liar, liar. Hands on fire. Charlie McGee is Stephen King's fire starter. I don't want to hurt anyone. But it feels kind of good. podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello and welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. It is time once more to assemble the quartet. Those for whom time is but a face on the water. Thank you, Cy. That's right. It is time for another quarterly king. These are special sit downs every 25 episodes or so emphasis this time on the or so. As we were awaiting the new film's release we're talking about today, not waiting because quality necessarily, waiting because timing. 
But I digress. <laughs> These episodes are meant to celebrate our own Roland DeShane, Uncle Stevie himself, Stephen King. I am one of your medical assistants for this dosage of Lot 6, Nathan Rouse. Typically with me as head of the program, Reed Lackey. And he was here a minute ago, but said he had to go push before we got started. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what King does. I love I love. I love mixing some Stephen King metaphors. <laughs> Meanwhile, permit me to remind you listeners to one, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the shop. And two, that you can find the Fog Podcast wherever you get your podcast and that your official source for all things foggy is our website, thefearofgodpodcast.com. It is quarterly king time, which means today I am joined by a font Nay, a fellowship of foggers turned friends here to feign fealty to this fiery folio called Firestarter. Forthwith, shall I welcome them into the fold. Oh, God, I love doing this. First, permit me to welcome back to the show. And y'all, I am I'm starting with this guest because the character he represents in this book is the most obvious character analog perhaps we've ever done in these character designations this time from firestarter and it's gonna go to ian olsen and ian I, i'm gonna come back to you okay okay uh i'm gonna okay i'm not i'm not just shh, pretend i didn't do that instead of start instead of instead of starting with ian i'm gonna go to another guest okay and okay so this this guest's character because of the he's here on social media active and present and engaged and then he's not and it's all quiet and it's like where did you go and what happened to your fingernails vicky friends and foggers welcome blake collier back to the show blake <laughs> welcome friend it is a pleasure <laughs> to have you. wait wait okay. did i get my fingernails pulled <laughs> somebody yeah, did somebody. Right. <laughs> no, you, you're right yeah. Did you read the book? Now, yes, hey, yes. Shh, only Blake's here right now, or Vicky, uh, right? Okay. Yeah. That out of the way. Okay, fine. E and and Andy. Andy. Okay, Andy. That is right, friends and foggers. This guest's occasional inability to hold back risks getting us all in trouble sometimes, but his sheer cuteness makes him fireballing folks easy to overlook. That is right. Playing Charlie McGee is our one and only buttery muffin himself, Andy Whitfield. Andy, <laughs> welcome back to the show. Thanks <laughs> for it. having me. Thanks for You're having so me. You're so welcome. <laughs> You're so welcome. And you've got the fan in your face blowing your hair back. It really works. I like the look you're going for. Thanks, All right. Man. I can do this. I can do this. Next on our list of participants, I'm going to go for it. Today is... Ian Nathan. It's me. It's me, guys. So I am so hurting for social connection these days that I will invite you over unannounced to my house for lunch and a beer, whether my wife has been able to approve it or not. Uh, asterisk here. Day, day drinking is not a healthy practice, kids. Just ask 2022 Scurve Flanders. I mean, me, 1984, Irv Manders, a.k.a. Fog host Nathan Rouse. So got, okay, got me out of the way. All right. Unless it's college game day, my friend. Sure. Well, you know what? Sports <laughs> and me just don't, we don't mix. So, uh, but yeah, sure. Sure. Go, go for it. Okay. 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 Kind of like fire and water. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure. Fire water. Okay. All right. I've got a, got a couple other guests to get to here and some characters that are on the bench that need to 
needed to win the game. Oh, Christ, on the sidecar. I can't put it off any longer, okay? I had a, <laughs> I had a hard time assigning this guest because the choice is so singular, so on the nose, so perfect, so obvious. It felt wrong to lead with it. But once I saw the 2022 version of this story, I had no choice. That's right, listeners. Gracing our presence once more in the fog, a man of mystery to all who meet him, a man, as the opening credits reveal, whose demographic was preyed upon for nefarious purposes. He is one of our lead characters, maybe the lead character, but what is his name? Is he one of a handful of previous aliases or is he Ethan? Is he Andy (laughs) McGee? All I know is that for today's discussion, it's Ian Olsen. Hey, brother. Welcome. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> i love it when a joke comes together all that can leave is one he's got so so vision he loves shoes so much he has a cabin filled with them and at the and at the end of each week his words and his heart and his strong arms lovingly pick us all up and carry us into the future as the credits roll he is our very own John Rainbird, my friend and co-host, Reed Lackey! Reed, welcome to the party! Hello! Y'all don't realize that I actually tranquilized y'all all and brought y'all here. Y'all don't even know. Y'all don't even know. Y'all think I'm your friend, but whoo! I mean, I just, like, yeah. That's hot. Reed, this chair was broken. (laughs) The shop is active. Why do we have to be the shop? Why can't it be something good? Generic government agency. (laughs) Why can't we be? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Am I getting ahead of our conversation a bit? The 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 modders plantation house people. Manders. 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 Charlie. All right, Charlie. Slander. Manders. Look at the water. Focus on the water. Okay. I love the chicken. I love the chicken. Make a list. (laughs) Riri, you got any business for us, brother? Because we gotta we gotta get this train moving. Uh, Honestly, no. Just uh, everybody join Patreon. Uh, Everybody, you know, that's where all the fun things happen. Uh, We don't have a specific patron only segment for today, but uh, if you join Patreon, even when we don't have a patron only segment, you get it a little bit early. So uh, yeah, so join Patreon. And uh, yeah, other than that, I'm just excited to get into all that is in store for us in this conversation. So yeah. Do it. Where um, would we find your Patreon? Do we type oh. in Fear of God or... Very, just- very good question. So the best, fastest, easiest place to go is to go to thefearofgodpodcast.com. There is a little Patreon button up at the top that will take you right there. That is awesome. the place. The I mean, you could go to patreon.com yourself and like try to search for us, but faster, better, easier, just go to our website and click on that button. It'll take you right to where you need to go. Okay. Um, awesome. That that does invite another note on business time, which is simply to say, go submit for the foggies. Uh, we've got a number Ooh, of those rolling yes. in. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's putting in mind for me th- stuff I haven't seen yet, but I'm curious about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, join Patreon, submit for the foggies. So we usually try to do some sort of game, some sort of fun funsies on these quarterly kings. Oh, life in general, we need we need some fun. So <laughs> you know. Firestarter has, at least in its 1984 expression, and perhaps in the novel itself, uh, who I, I'm not uh, can can speak to that per se, but has, has a bit of a problematic villain. Okay, 
and at least problematic casting in its villain in 1984. That's where we'll land. That's where I mm. will personally land in this moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Affirmation. I like it. Um, <laughs> but it put to mind for me just King villains writ large and how, you know, we've been at this for a minute, boys. You know, uh, uh, I think the first iteration of this grouping of Quarterly King was it. Chapter yeah. one, which would have been around 2017. Yep. Which is nuts. And so we've covered a lot of ground. Reed and I on the show, uh, uh, we did a series, an overarching series a few years ago in 2019, as a matter of fact, called 19, mm-hmm. where we highlighted King works. Um, so there's a lot to pull from. Uh, what we are going to do, listener, is we are going to rank each of us our top three in ascending order, three, two, one. Uh, the, our favorite Stephen King villains of the content we've covered of Stephen King's. Mm. Um, so that is the, that is the limitations to it. It is not everything, uh, from the King oeuvre. Uh, it is only what the fear of God specifically has covered. And, um, you know, I was tempted to rattle them off, but I'm not going to spend the time doing that. Perhaps we'll make a, a note in the, um, Show notes about what this is pulling from. So how this game is going to work is uh, uh, I'll start with a guest and we'll just kind of round robin this a little bit as I call on folks. Name your third, right? And if someone else has that higher up the list, Ian, uh, our, our resident nebula, amongst so many other things, will remember this game fondly from Infinity War and Endgame. So, <laughs> so good. Yeah. So good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if uh, you name someone uh, that is your number three and someone else has it higher, we're going to wait until that higher listing comes around to discuss it. You can still name it, of course, uh, but we'll wait until that person comes around to discuss it. And... Yeah, so Reed, I'm gonna start with you and then call oh. on each of our guests and I'll I'll finish off with number three and we'll we'll go that way. How does that sound? Okay. Oh, that sounds perfect. All right. So Reed so, Lackey. Reed Lackey, you 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 are King of King. Ooh. Notice how I left a important consonant off the end of that to and, main, and maintain be- a lack of sacrilege. Hmm. Exactly. <laughs> and because of that deliberateness, I love it. I embrace it. I I I go for it. I wholeheartedly no adore I it. I um, bestow it upon you. S- so, um, and, and so you're, you're going to have perhaps some angles on this that, that some of us might not. So I'm very curious to yeah. see how this shapes up for you. Well, I'm going to lead right out with my number three, and it is probably something considered a bit of an unconventional villain. Uh, at least I thought it was a bit unconventional, my choice. Um, watch somebody, everybody else have it as like their number one. But, um, <laughs> okay. So my number three is from The Shining, but my number three, all-time king villain is the Overlook Hotel itself. Number two, yes, I had it as number two. You had so it as number two, I. so so yeah. we'll pause. We'll, we'll get over there. But this, yes, that is my number awesome. three. Is All the right. Overlook Hotel itself? Wow, that yeah. actually, I'm I'm kind of curious to see what your number two and number one are because that mm-hmm. surprises me. It's uh, at number three. Very mm-hmm. cool. All right, so Overlook for Reed for number three. Ian, I'm going to follow y'all on my screen. Kind of this horseshoe yeah. I got going on here. Ian, you're next. What is your number three? Uh, my number three is Randall Flagg from The Stand. Anybody else have Randall Flagg? I don't. Nope. Any words you want to say about The Walking Just Dude? That he's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you when you articulate Randall Flagg as your number three on this list, are you 
uh, rooting it to the text itself? Are you like, hey, also the expression in the film or the miniseries? Okay, so I, I yeah, I'm primarily thinking of the TV miniseries, which is not great. But J.B. Sheridan is awesome. <laughs> He's so cool. <laughs> so yes. just like rock and roll anime <laughs> and uh, the Canadian tuxedo. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, I think that the textual Randall flag is a significantly better villain than the uh, TV version that we get. But it just, uh, it brings me back and it just seems like he's having a lot of fun as he does this. So, you know, we, we got to have fun sometimes, right? We, mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, okay. Wow. So, so I had Overlook. Ian had Overlook. Reed had Overlook. Ian, Andy and Blake, did y'all have Overlook? And only Ian had Randall. Wow. Okay. This mm-hmm. is interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, Blake, you are next on my screen. Who is your number three Stephen King villain? My number three is from Salem's Lot. It's Barlow. Mm. <laughs> Zabalo. <laughs> anyone else? Anyone else? Yeah, no. I am. Kind of blue. Number three. Andy's got it oh, at three. Andy's three. got it at three. So you guys I can discuss it, it together if you want. And you've got it at yeah. one. Yes, I do. Okay. Oh, yeah. we're gonna wait till we get to one. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. So, so we're gonna wait. We'll discuss Barlow some, later then. Some wow. kind of bleh. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cordon bleu. Shades of blue. You said Barlow is your number three. Yes. Okay. My number three. So I gotta, I gotta throw an honorable mention here. One is just John Travolta from Carrie. I'm sorry. <laughs> and the other is Pimp and Gage Creed. Those are my honorable mentions. That's uh, all I have. Pimp and Gage. It ain't easy, man. It ain't easy, but he makes it look easy. <laughs> he makes it look. He got that. <laughs> He got that that rud strut. (laughs) (laughs) Strut, Struts right out into the rud. Okay, my number three. Because here's the thing, y'all. I've got the Overlook at number two. uh, Both of my other two are a bit more objective, okay, canonically in the oeuvre, literarily speaking. Here are my two. My number three, I got to be honest, it was was highly subjective. And I'm going to own that. Hmm. But the, the subjective nature of it is... What of these characters or entities would I most quickly and readily and perhaps embracingly fall victim to? And it's Rose the Hat. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm just a guy in the world. And wow. it's, it's, it's Rose the Hat. I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> that's my number three is Rose the Hat. Maybe she jumped me before she killed me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a big eggplant, guys. <laughs> I hope I'm there too. He's just like he's just like. Where do I sign up? Where do I sign up? Where is it? Where's the? Y'all got a petition? Oh, victims. We <laughs> should say that. Yeah. Oh, oh, I know I'm not a kid anymore, but you know, <laughs> puts on his, the true. We can tie the true knot. You know, he puts on his engaged creed outfit to try to fool them all. <laughs> like, Look at me! Look at me! I like your hat. <laughs> okay, yeah. so we're going to snake draft style this. So I'm going to go myself for number two here, and then we'll cycle back around. My number two, again, was the Overlook Hotel. Uh, Reed, that was your number three. E- mm-hmm. It was just us? Or no, Ian had it. Yep. You had Do it you at have what? it at, at two? At two, yes. Okay, okay cool. so yeah, well, let's, let's just discuss it right now. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. for me, real quick, I just think 
Part of it is, yes, uh, Dr. Sleep episode that we recorded is fresh on my brain because I recently re-listened to it. And so just the idea of the Overlook, uh, not just for me personally, but kind of feels like it looms large in the King canon. Um, And and one, it's just, is there a better kind of modern uh, horror prose version of the haunted house story, even though ultimately we know it's a little bit of a, a divergence from that, strictly speaking. But it's just there are few things that stand out as much in the work of King as that icon. So that, that's kind of my thoughts on, on the overlook. Ian and Reed. Ian, I'll defer to you. Then I'll, I'll wrap it off. Okay. Um, it's everything that you said, Nathan. And I would say that for me, I have, um, there's another valence to it, uh, through the Kubrick, um, version where there's more of, uh, an accent, on a a like temporal black hole mm. um i am just uh thanks to uh, mark fisher i cannot escape the you've always been the caretaker and uh the the horror of i've come to this thing but i've always been drawn to this thing and i've always been a part of this thing and the hauntology of the overlook and it's haunted by kind of all of us because mm. whoever comes there will find something it seems tailor-made to haunt them and it will uh, absorb you and yeah i gotta i gotta just i don't know if it's an eonism or or a real thing but hauntology uh, i love it i just that that word i've never heard that before it made made me and honestly i thought we were about to talk about han solo and i got (laughs) a little disappointed (laughs) at the misdirect there (laughs) never tell me the odds (laughs) (laughs) okay uh reed what about the overlook for you so yeah i mean uh biggest reason it landed on my list is because i could not think of another location specifically uh in king's entire catalog and he has many menacing locations including castle rock itself Derry, salem's Mm -hmm. lot um but i could not think of a singular other location that's so uh personified uh dread and and villainy and uh, threat and I can remember very distinctly in both the novel and in the film uh, Doctor Sleep when they're going to return to the Overlook Hotel there was a profound energy that rose up about that where it's just like oh my gosh they're going back to the Overlook yeah. and that's happened many times in other King novels like I said where they go back to Derry or they go back to Castle Rock or there's some call outs to something previous but never the kind of energy of like they are going back to the Overlook Hotel so that's why I felt like it deserved a, a, a presence in the top three for myself so yep Overlook awesome. Hotel yep so so far in 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 the mix are the Overlook Rose the Hat Barlow what was the other one or something else Randall Flagg Randall Flagg, so, Randall Randall Flagg. Flagg was Flagg. Uh, Ian's third Okay, so um, e- uh, Andy, did you do a number two today? Or wow, <laughs> I knew it, knew it. Um, my number two is um, the the baby in Pet Cemetery who gets run run over and then possessed. Oh, Gage Creed, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. From that, that 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 gave me nightmare. That, that all I remember is that kid when i first saw it i i would fall asleep at night worried that somebody was going to cut my my heel and so yeah um it stuck Ooh. with me so i'm going i'm i'm going i'm going with the 
with a baby. I just have I'm this. I just love this image, Andy, of you like running and leaping into your bed every night. <laughs> just, just a circle love- vent. Yeah. And the the, pro- the only problem was it was the top bunk. So. <laughs> <laughs> Slam. <laughs> yeah, a little trampoline. Yeah, I love that. I love that Reed turned into an old prospector when you said you're number two, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was channeling my Judd Grandel. Here's a cactus cooler. Uh, Blake, do you have a second on your list? Um, nicely done to avoid the second joke. Yeah, I learn. I learn from my own errors, <laughs> intentional so, or otherwise. So my list is one of those that's like the the. the Three and two spots are, are held by really like your typical kind of favorite king villains. Uh, my number one is the more obscure one, but my number two is Pennywise from it. Okay. As mm, far as nice. terrifying, like number one. My, uh, Ooh, let, let, let me clarify. Let me clarify. That's Andy's it's number one. Pennywise before he turns into a spider. <laughs> Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, yeah. We'll spend some more time yeah. with Pennywise, the dancing clown, yeah. Sir Robert Gray, when we come back to the number ones. Uh, Ian, what are, do you, are you, what do you have so far? You got the, the overlook. Randall, Walking Randall Flag and, and, and the overlook. Yes. This is so, why Nathan shouldn't leave his games, but. He screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got a number two waiting, right? No. no. <laughs> wow. No, I cleared out the rear admiral before we started. I didn't want to interrupt anything. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm a professional, Nathan. Oh, the scatology is just like okay. So, yeah. um, so the it. only number two that has not yet been revealed is mine. <laughs> oh, to help you <laughs> out. Well, I'm technically mine too. I haven't been revealed. My, my number two Please. hasn't been revealed. Keep them to yes, yourself. You said well, I've got to. Yeah. I've got to go to the restroom. So yeah, yeah. that's okay. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we're following. Whoa! We're, All right, read. Then we what's firmly, your number? What is your second on your list? What, so second on my list, I didn't think it would probably land on anybody else's, but this is sincerely, uh, if I was making a full catalog of objective villains, he'd be in the top ten. Um, I'm going for Andre Linoge from Storm of the Century, mm. and the biggest reason I'm going with him is, and I'm assuming nobody else had him on his list, but the biggest reason I'm going with him is because <laughs> is because. Um, the threat he posed to this town presented one of King's most profound moral dilemmas in any of his works. Uh, found it richly compelling. Uh, there is the question mark of can he really do what he threatened to do or not? He certainly could uh, infuse dread. Um, and so I find it uh, perhaps contemporaneous with things going on. I find it deeply compelling to examine a villain who can come in spread fear, torment, wreak havoc, and then present a profound moral dilemma to really pit our souls at odds with what we are and are not willing to do. So that is why Andre Linoge hits second on my king list. So, yep, that's that. And he's a heck of a flyer with a bunch yeah, of kids. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say that, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's Reed's number one. No, that's my number two. Oh, I'm sorry. What's your number one, Reed? We're coming back around. Oh, okay. So, all right. So, my number one is the one, the only number one fan didn't get out of the cockadoodie car. No, she did not. Wilkes. Andy Andy Wilkes Wilkes. is my number one. Same Z's. Same Z's. Anybody else? Andy Wilkes? No? No? 
No. Just, All right. So let's talk. Annie you and me, for a Reed. Second. You and yeah, me. So let's talk Annie for a second. Um, I'll I'll lead the charge if you don't mind. Let you wrap it off. Uh, obviously, like this villain was very personal to King. Uh, he had already been dealt with at that time with some fan obsessives who got a little weird and had sent him some strange letters. Had been sort of hovering around his house and everything. So this was an embodiment of a lot of the sort of the worst of toxic fandom before. The internet got a hold of it and made toxic fandom like a thing and a hashtag. Yeah, and whatever. just a daily occurrence. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but no, the reason uh, Annie Wilkes is so compelling is because she is so believable. I mean, like, let's get right down to it. Like, yes, sure, King's villains are, are all heightened. They're all explosive. Um, but Annie Wilkes feels like she could exist in the real world. Um, and it feels like she could be somebody who with the right combination of things could actually uh, you know, transact the torments that she transacts. And so that makes her supremely scary to me. Um, yes, pivoting over into the Rob Reiner film, uh, Kathy Bates embodies her impeccably, uh, Oscar-winning performance. And so a lot of that sticks in my mind now as I even revisit the book and everything. But yes, I, I think Annie Wilkes is a supreme accomplishment from King. So that's why she's my number one. Why is, why is she your number one? Um, well, I actually haven't read the book still. Um, it, it's mm. just, you know, a lot of King's villainous things, be they characters, be they entities, be they aliens with, you know, um, magnifying glasses, <laughs> um, kind of border on the fantastical or occasionally absurd, um, my personal experience of just Kathy Bates as that character, it's just, it's so indelible. It is, it is, it's unforgettable. I mean, it is a career defining performance, um, that is as fascinating and fun as she is deeply troubling. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, <clears throat> yeah, just in terms of, um, kind of the memorable nature of a character, that one. I mean, I would I would rank her in a top five king characters, let alone villains. Yes, um, yeah, or at least the expression in the film. So yeah, okay, cool. Annie Wilkes. All right, uh, uh, Ian, has your number one been named? Randall Flag. Randall Flag. Okay. No. <laughs> what? Oh my no. God. <laughs> no. His. Let me. Let, permit Take me to Reed. assist. Yeah. <laughs> permit me to assist. So his number one is Barlow. That's so, right. We're about to have a conversation about Barlow, courtesy of Ian's number one, and Pennywise, courtesy of Andy's number one, that all three can contribute. Is, yeah. <laughs> so, so oh. let's start with uh, let's start with Barlow. So, so go ahead. It was uh, Barlow was number three for both Blake and Andy, uh, and he's Ian's number one. So it's the only one to make. I think he gets a majority share of list presence, as it were. <laughs> Ian, I've got to know: Would Barlow have made your number one previous to our conversation? Just say no, please, for, my, for me. <laughs> yes, it would because I I love the Toby Hooper Barlow because I'm mm -hmm. I'm specifically thinking of the film adaptation yeah. and I. It's weird because Salem's Lot is my favorite King book, um, but I definitely prefer the Toby Hooper iteration of Barlow as just grotesque, you know, godforsaken Nosferatu creature that is blue for some reason. Um, <laughs> I can just never forget taking Salem's Lot into um, uh, school. We were we were allowed to watch Halloween movies before before Halloween. We had like a break uh, right before Halloween, so for two days we just watched scary movies. And I brought oh, in Salem's Lot, awesome. and people for the first tape 
we're like, this is kind of dumb. This is kind of <laughs> hokey. And then everyone starts screaming when all of a sudden, you know, Ned's in jail and then like, <laughs> and then there's number two everywhere and so <laughs> I will never forget that I, I just love it so much <laughs> while everybody's worried about um you know CRT being taught in schools and stuff we've got Ian's school saying you know what we give up watch some horror movies it's almost Halloween <laughs> Whatever you want. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. You know, um, we're not going to so, burn videos. They cost money. <laughs> so, so Andy, uh, Barlow made your number three. What mm. What are your thoughts on Barlow? Why did Barlow make the cut? Uh, just the movie version. And he, he's just like a creepy, creepy dude, man. And um, he gets me the heebie-jeebies. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I I just think the movie version. He he's like the creepiest vampire I've ever encountered. So I just put him at number three. Nice, nice. And Blake, he also made your number three. Why did Barlow make the cut? I mean, Ian and Andy both said most of the reasons why uh, he made my number three, but partially because if I'm going to have a vampire, it's going to be an a gnarly, ugly, terrifying one. It's it's seldom ever the you know well quaffed. Um, <laughs> romantic, you know, vampire. So, uh, Nosferatu, you know, vampire, all those, like, those are the vampires I like. And so anytime okay. Barlow's on the screen, I'm, I'm all for it. Nice. Yeah, very, very nice. So, yes. So, uh, ha- having a, uh, a code blue for old Barlow. Now, Pennywise <laughs> made, made both Blake's list and Andy's. Andy, since he was your number one, I'm going to go to you first. Andy, why did Pennywise top your list? I thought, Blake, is he not your number one? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, he's, he's, his, he's Blake's number, number two. two. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because he can turn into anything. Anything you mm. fear. He is like the embodiment of that. I mean, even in the movies. Or not even, like in the movies when he turns into that old lady some of the old ladies like just frighten me i don't know what sure. it is it's it's because i watch um, is it the fear of death andy you can tell no, us it's okay it's um deborah logan did it for me oh and yeah, the, yeah and then the visit there's been a surge of old ladies killing people and so um it's taking over <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're taking it back they just want to drive <laughs> and so <laughs> um where was it? he just embodies everything and in fear and can sense that in you and the only way you can get through it is not is to not be fearful or what happens in the book Apparently, that I don't know about. Never mind. Tur- it's, Keep it's going. Cosmic turtles all the way down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So Blake. Yeah. He he didn't top your list, but he's there. And then I believe does memory serve that like you haven't revealed your number one yet? Yeah, I haven't. Okay, so why don't you go ahead and explain yourself on Pennywise, and, and then, then reveal, reveal okay. your number one? Yeah. So Pennywise for me is is up there simply not only because of what Andy said he can become whatever you fear all this all that stuff 
Um, there's the clown factor, of course. But really for me, and this mostly comes from the book, but also kind of gets lip service in both uh, film adaptations, um, is this idea of what he stands for, which is the evil of a town. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the dread, the drenching of, of what a town can become you know, to the point where it, it almost, he, he is the incarnation of that town's history, basically. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, in a, in a similar way, he becomes kind of the, the haunting of Derry. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just like the overlook becomes, um, the haunt, or kind of the haunt of whoever, is the caretaker. So mm-hmm. are they do are they do, I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, that's fine. I apologize. Are they doing a prequel? Did I read that somewhere? I did Probably. hear that. Yeah, Lord, I did hear that. They know what's going to happen, but it's going to focus on, I, I, I thought I had heard there was going to be a prequel, but yeah, no, that's, no. I, I think they're trying to do like a prequel series where it just goes back yeah. to previous iterations of Pennywise and Derry. That's so. going to be great. Yeah, and the penguins in it. Yeah. I, I will <laughs> say, I will say though, though that that probably <laughs> of all the King like adaptations, it probably has the one um, vantage point of being like every adaptation has had a solid person playing it, playing Pennywise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, and I don't think you can say that for pretty much any like every adaptation of a of a king novel or a, a multiple adaptation Where there were multiples uh, yeah, yeah exactly um yeah. there's always been issues with you know one version or the other um mm-hmm. but in both of these cases both tim curry and um skarsgård bill skarsgård um yeah. were spot on um no, i agree they both brought their own vision and their own kind of voice and and it was yeah it's terrifying yep no, I agree. All right. So you're going to close the segment off by revealing your number one. Yeah. So my number one is, is doesn't like only shows up in pet cemetery, uh, in various spots. It's, it's actually uh, obscured. Uh, <laughs> and Ian will appreciate this, but, uh, this is something that only Ian could have, could approve of. And that's <laughs> like, it gets absolute nothing but lip service and the book and the movies, but it's there and he's he or she or it, or they are present around the cemetery and it's the Wittigo. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. We don't know. <laughs> Do, we don't know even say what that, part he or she or it plays, but, but it's there and he is, mm-hmm. lo- he is looming and he is waiting. Are, are you <laughs> going right. to tell everybody about your like research into the Wendigo? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly you're researching obs- that. You, I'm you're obsessed, obsessed yeah. with that. Yeah. Well, just yeah. don't go up to the McMack burial ground. Like, <laughs> Whatever. Oh, don't worry. Wouldn't dare. For all of our sakes. Right. <laughs> well, Blake, Blake edits the Wikipedia article when he comes up new information. <laughs> How dare you? Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So that was, I, I, I have to say, I appreciated everybody's list. That was a, a solid showing representing King's villains. That was super fun for me. Hope it was fun for you guys. But, uh, somebody that appeared, uh, you know, it was not represented at all in uh, top three king villains is our subject for today, which is Firestarter. Um, 
And so, uh, so <laughs> why is that? <laughs> I don't know. So, so we're going to go into Firestarter now. Uh, we are going to be primarily covering the text of the book, um, but also, uh, especially in some uh, in a deliberate separate segment coming up, um, the 1984 adaptation directed by Mark Lester and the uh, most recent 2022 adaptation. So, um, first, uh, I would just want to go around a little bit, and I'll start. But I want to go around to, uh, and, and find out what. Uh, if any experience that people had with Firestarter beforehand. So um, I'll lead the way just by saying like Firestarter was kind of a big deal book for me with King. It was not the very first Stephen King book that I read. That was Eyes of the Dragon, but it was the second Stephen King book that I ever read. Uh, And the first that was notably like, you know, adult Stephen King. And so um, it held a special place in my heart for many years because it's kind of opened the door and introduced me in a lot of ways to the primary work that that King does. It also came at a really important time because it was uh, the the sort of in the peak of his early popularity. The Dead Zone, which directly preceded the fire uh, fire starter, was his first number one bestseller. So even though he had made landmark novels beforehand. The Dead Zone was his first book to debut as a number one bestseller, and Firestarter was the follow-up to that. So it came at a time where he was at nearly the height of his popularity. He was becoming uh, culturally associated with the horror genre writ large, and he was one of those rare literary icons uh, of the of the time. Uh, this was it was released in 1980, so uh, it was not uh, a, a widely known thing for there to be just like a blockbuster uh, literary author, especially not of popular fiction. But here Stephen King was. And um, so the, the the last little bit that I'll share about that is that, of course, I, I watched the film. I was always kind of fond of the film of just like uh, the 1984 film, just of, of where it, it sort of sat in the canon. I forgave it for its foibles. Um, and uh, and I feel like... For its fireballs? What did you say? For its fireballs, yes. Mm, um, foibles I will say that I feel like Firestarter, I still regard it for all of its sort of uh, difficulties, which I'm sure we'll get into, I still regard it as one of the more, if not most, accessible King stories. Um, it's It's got a more streamlined narrative than something like The Dead Zone. It's not. It's more digestible than something like The Stand. It's not uh, as, as cerebrally thematic as something like The Shining. Um, so it is a good first place to start with Stephen King, because it's got some horror elements, but it's it, it's pretty accessible uh, writ large, although it does have some problems, which again, I'm sure we'll get into. So that's my uh, history and, 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 and feelings about Firestarter. I'm going to go to you first, Ian. I'm going to go in my little round, Robin. Uh, so Ian, I'm going to you first. Uh, what was your experience prior to this with Stephen King's Firestarter? So I saw the 1984 Firestarter when I was in like second grade, um, mm. like was on, this, on TV. Was this a special school day? Or <laughs> <laughs> Stephen King Theater at elementary school. <laughs> um, and it was the book that I read sometime after Salem's Lot. So it was it was when I was beginning my completest. Like, oh, I now need to read everything by Stephen King. Mm. Um, so. I read that one sometime during third grade. I would be lying if I said I remembered exactly what part of the year. What I remember best is that I definitely read The Tommyknockers and The Stand spring into summer of 1994. Um, so then then I just kind of forgot that Firestarter existed for a long time until we were talking about doing this. And it was like, ah. 
yeah, there's going to be a new one. And I thought, why? And, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, wait, he means I need to watch it. Okay, well, how bad can it be? So here we are. <laughs> and we'll talk about how bad it is. <laughs> <laughs> understood, understood. All right, Andy, I'm coming to you next. So Firestarter, your exposure, uh, if any, prior to this conversation with that story. Uh, I, I, I knew Drew Barrymore was in it. Um, <laughs> that's about all I knew. Um, I will say it will probably be the first Stephen King novel I finish. Oh. <laughs> um, I feel like you summed it up quite nicely, Reed, when you said it's very accessible and very mm. non-cerebral and all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I haven't... It's a book where I haven't had to think a lot, and I like mm. that. <laughs> you know, like, I can yeah. just I can just enjoy it. And, yeah. and go th- even though I'm speed reading, I was speed reading it, but I could enjoy it. Um, yeah. And um, movie-wise, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> understood, understood. All right, uh, Blake, Firestarter, what for you? Uh, so I'm... I can almost guarantee I saw the 1984 one at some point in my youth. Um, my parents had no issue showing me semi-violent movies when I was young. So, um, mm. God forbid there be sex in it. But, yes, all the violence. So, um, I don't remember. For some reason, before I looked up who was in it, uh, I didn't get to watch it again for this this recording. But I, for some reason, I had in my head that my, Michael Ironside was in it, and he's not. But (laughs) it seems like the kind of movie he would show up in because he was kind of at the height of his villain, like his villain kind of playing during that time period. So, um, but (laughs) I remember very little about it. I do remember Drew Barrymore was the the girl. Um, this is the first time I've read the book and I didn't read it. I I listened to it. Um, Mm. Mm-hmm. On one speed, surprisingly, I actually finished oh. it on normal speed. So wow. I was pretty proud of myself. I was yeah. kind of rushed <laughs> today. I was like, okay, I got to get this, <laughs> got to get this out. So um, I, I enjoyed the book. Um, surprisingly, found it to be, like you said, digestible, um, streamlined. It, it kind of it between it and the Dead Zone and and some of his other smaller books. I. I like the fact that it um, he he's reined in a little bit. Um, he's he's forced to kind of work within a pretty streamlined, like you said, uh, narrative. And because I think he gets a little too carried away in some spaces, like he he's like a like a, looking for squirrels all over the place sometimes, and is more epic <laughs> sure. than novels. So, um, but yeah, no, I I really enjoyed the book. Um, I watched the the new twenty twenty two version for this recording. And like Andy said, we'll get to that. That's <laughs> just going to be your, your sign off in life in general. These days. And like Andy said, we'll get to that. <laughs> As he steps off the ledge. <laughs> uh, so Nathan, yeah. So what about you? Firestarter. Um, so until this, I, I had not uh, uh, digested any of the Firestarter material. Let me tell you, um, uh, uh, hot coming out as it is going in. Um, no, wow. it's, it's poorly formed joke there. Um, um, 
I, I knew about it. I knew Drew Barrymore uh, years ago in my King uh, physical novel completest days. I had a copy of it, had not gotten around to it at that time. Um, are you asking for takes right now? Yeah. Or not really. Yeah. Okay, okay. Generalized General. takes. Yes. 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 Right, right, Overview right, right. takes. Um, um Spark. <laughs> yeah. true yeah. <laughs> only hot takes i get it i get it um it's not my favorite uh uh kind of any iteration um here's the thing i i i can kind of respect what everyone has said about it in the sense that yeah it's accessible uh it is it is very direct um i imagine had i read it much younger it would have captured my kind of imagination a little more or really at all um at this stage of my sort of genre you know kind of intake shady government agency and teen with burgeoning volatile superpowers are just really played out for me um and that's not necessarily writ large for people i just mean for me personally and the type of materials i've read over the years i'm like oh okay uh, here we are again. Oh, the shop. Oh, I wonder. And <laughs> this is like super peeling back the curtain a little bit on, on a little bit of the, the generalized hot take and, and uh, a listener and or guests, uh, might roll their eyes at me and I could respect that. I live, I am in, in my brain and spirit these days. I don't love anymore. The, Let's pretend, um, hmm. acknowledging that in the real world, things of a nature like this have happened and not dismissing that. However, I think shady government agency as a trope and as a thing we no longer consider fiction is really tenuous for me to mm. kind of take in. If that makes any sense whatsoever, it's like, you know, it's it reminded me of the latter release reprisals of x-files where they almost literally threw their hands up like creatively and said uh you know everyone is believing falsehoods so what are we even doing anymore kind of creatively uh x-files mm -hmm. did and so so anyway again those are very specific to me types of overlays as i took it in uh but but again i, I am i'm a king fan i like being able to check check boxes on oh yeah i did uh, and, and it's by no means that i think the book was bad that's not mm -hmm. what i'm getting at i'm just saying the the conventionality of it kind of surprised me a little bit uh in yeah. a way that wasn't um super positive however i did I'll, yes i'll call on you in a moment uh, sir lackey um uh i actually was surprised because i just wasn't thinking about it when i started it that it was kind of a uh the dad has powers dad daughter kind of adventure I, I did like that aspect of it a lot because i just didn't know i didn't know what the plot was going to be um and so found that probably the most intriguing part yeah reed what were you gonna say so just just a quick question piggybacking on a little bit what you said because i've thought about that before so shady which government part? agency oh, as yeah. trope um the question that i have for you which if you need time to think about it or if you don't have an answer or prefer not to answer that's fine but just something to consider is do you think like if firestarter was written today obviously multiple things would be different but do you think that firestarter today would be like corporate entity kind of like do do we think that that might be I'm probably you know, some, i mean that something makes like that yeah well and again and would that land differently like that that's part of what i'm what i'm poking at is like i think a, what the um shop that's a that's a that's a good question I, I appreciate it and i think that that distinction is um 
uh, uh, with a difference to it, at least in how I mentally receive it in the question you mm. just asked, mm-hmm. you know, there would be a little because, uh, you know, extreme corporate practice a la RoboCop type of scenario like that's mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. feasible to me and real. To me. I think I'm just at a stage these days, not where, hey, government can do no wrong. That's not the point. But the point yeah. is, we've t- we've gone over the event horizon on on uh, government can do no wrong to literally everything associated with government is wrong at its core oh, right right and yeah. and at its bedrock center which i which i don't uh ascribe to but anyway no that that's a good distinction and i do think it would make a little bit of difference in how yeah. i uh take it in these days um <laughs> so yes that is uh how the fire started for all of us <laughs> and perhaps <laughs> died out um but we but we didn't you know, start it right we didn't start it <laughs> But we can have a hand in putting it out. Like we can have a hand in putting it out. <laughs> the, the, the the restraint I'm showing right now. Um, so every I week, can roll before we, the walls, I can't take it anymore. Beckley Beckley is saying, "Oh no, Nathan." <laughs> um, uh, so every episode, and before we get too far down uh, uh, the deep well here, um, every episode, we're a horror show. We are a horror show. We talk about scary stuff. And, you know, each of the, generally speaking, every piece of media we cover uh, is going to have some component of a horrific nature to it. Um, and that, you know, could be not just called wrong, but that ain't right. sure as hell ain't right so fellas i'm gonna kick the door down let me rephrase that fellas i'm going to incinerate the door down off its hinges (laughs) as they just smelt into gelatinous nothing here and because i am lest we forget her commander and um (laughs) i can't do it um so yeah 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 so at risk of at risk of sending us off the deep end in terms of time i actually organized my that ain't rights by iteration um, so I, I will, I'm going to be brief to illustrate that you too can be brief as well. If you choose to go this route. Um, so my, that ain't rights for book 84 and 22 book is actually a, not so much a horrific element, but again, when I don't know the plot, I don't know the plot. And so I actually had a very, I, my heart sank when the shop when you learn they have ensnared them at the cabin, like, I don't know if you remember this recent to each of yours reading, you they're at the cabin. They think they're safe. I wasn't really thinking otherwise. And then all of a sudden a, a turn happens and you realize they've been in the trap the whole time. And that, like that actually had a, a sort of, uh, I didn't get emotional, but it had a psychological effect of like, Oh God, Oh my God. You know, mm-hmm. so that was really distressing for me. Uh, in the 84, um, when, <laughs> Do I read off where I say Rainbird Will Smith Wanless? I don't know. But um, I was really not prepared for for when, uh, just because I didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. I was not prepared for the visual effects team to have Drew Barrymore, a, a, a 
Shoryuken fireball emanate from her being and 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 and, and springboard uh, a, a, a generic red shirt into a tree behind it. It was it was insane to me. I was like, now that ain't right. Um, for 2022, uh, uh, theoretically, lots of places I could go. Um, I will just pick mom's burn wounds. Were very that ain't right to me. Uh, I'm going to go down the list here, horseshoe style, the way I did for the other thing. Andy, what is your that ain't right and or one or two? Um, that ain't right in yeah. the. Um, yes. Sorry. Threw me off there. Uh, <laughs> um, the that ain't right book when he when she unleashes her powers and the guy falls off the porch and gets the um, tomato plant thing stabbed oh. in his neck. Yeah, that wasn't right for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then um, for 2020, the bleeding eyeballs. Or 2022. Yeah, 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 that yeah, was, yeah. That was gross. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed. And then I, I don't have anything for 1984. I have to throw it in. I'm so sorry, but my that ain't right is is the way the actor in the in '84 Andy displays his powers. It's absurd. It's it's oh, like, it is, it's definitionally that ain't right to me. It's, it was like, what is what are we doing, y'all? Who directed that guy to do that? Anyway, I'm sorry, Blake. Oh, that ain't right. So he went off. Script. So all most of mine are from the book uh, because 2022 Firestarter is that ain't right in general. Um, so <laughs> mine are, are the pulling of Vicky's fingernails, which is why I was laughing at when you made me Vicky. Cause that's Cause funny. That's it's the thought of having my fingernails ripped out is, is makes me want to vomit. Um, sure. the other thing mm-hmm. is the ceaseless headaches. Cause I hate headaches. Ooh, that ain't okay. right. <laughs> yeah. But the biggest one, the biggest one is a strange semi-erotic connection Rainbird has with Charlie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a bit much. And I know he says that that's not what he he's there for, but that's kind of hard to like. I'll say. <laughs> that's kind of like when someone's like, listen, listen, I got a joke for you. I'm not racist, but, you know, it's like, it's like whoa. Wow. Everything that's about to come out of your mouth puts into question what yeah. you just said. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that, Blake, because I even texted Reed about this, and and you know we we can we can make some of this that ain't right a bit conversational as well, and not just didactic. But you read some of these early King stuff, and you're like, I love you, Uncle Stevie, but <laughs> what? <Yeah>. And <laughs> specifically in the book, the the expression of Pincho, uh, yeah. uh, the mm-hmm. I was like, what? Why do we? This is <laughs> this is not yeah. necessary. Not even because I'm like like. Y'all know me. You can't. I, you can do transgressive stuff, uh, but I'm like this. This literally is intended as just oddity, and you, it, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's pretty problematic. But it's not. It's problematic not even good. That's why it's, they called him at the shop. It's what, not like, even good. Uh, it's not even good character building. That's the problem. No, <laughs> it's not. It's it's like it's Rainbird being like, I'm not. Baby. It's Rainbird saying I'm not attracted to the child butt. Huh? What? Exactly. You know. <laughs> But Ian. I like to mop outside her bathroom. <laughs> wow. Ian, wow. Ian, quick. <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's that's my book. That ain't right. Um, but surprisingly, that's my only book. That ain't right. Which isn't what? to say that I have like really high praise for the, the novel. I, I would say that it's just like 
that it's okay. It's, mm. it's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's okay. What are you um, identifying specifically? You're saying the book itself? No, I'm no, saying no, no, the no. Rainbird Charlie. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, the, the 1984, that ain't right for me, is that General George S. Patton plays a Cherokee Indian. Right, yes. Sure, yeah. Yes. Do it. Uh, Come on, man. Let it out. What the hell? What? What, what, say all the things. We're here. This is the guy who said that he was going to go to Berlin to hang that paper hanging son of a bitch, and now he's going to be an engine? Come on. No. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Like, seven years previous? That's absurd. It, it's, I don't know. It's one thing, I guess. It's laughable when we can think of, like, you know, John Wayne being an Indian, you know, and we're like, well, that was the dark ages, the 50s. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, but <laughs> sure. <laughs> the year of my birth, they're having they're having the star of the changeling and the exorcist part three. Like, we need you to be an indigenous American <laughs> Vietnam War veteran. Are you mm-hmm. in? And then he's like, yes, I'm in. <laughs> I, don't, I, like, I don't understand this universe that we're in. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Like, it, it's absurd that it was offered, and it was absurd that George C. Scott said, you know? When do we start <laughs> shooting? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got to grow my hair out. <laughs> Call me crazy, but I'm in. You know? um, <laughs> <laughs> it says his agent. He's like, are you sure? You think it'll be okay? It'll be fine. 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 <laughs> What you got to say, Zach? And you know what? And you know, let's be to his age. Let's be let's be realistic about it. Thirty years, it, it wasn't problematic till thirty years later. <laughs> I mean, see, that's it. That's the other. That's the other sad truth of this, and that like the reality is, is that it is so egregious. I not that long ago, like several months ago, for the first time, saw Scarface, where Al Pacino plays a Cuban. Like, mm-hmm. just this entire oeuvre was about. Oh, you have the star power, so we need star power in here. So we're just going to put star power in here, and it had they, no considerations at Put all. Him in a bed. <laughs> and it, and it just and and it was it was wrong then, and it's wrong now. But it it is it it is worth noting that they just that, that they completely just abandoned. Any isn't that good? So it's like I don't know. I don't want to like I, I don't want to target true. like the low hanging fruit of like sure where these sure. problems exist. You know where yeah it, it, that's I think there are hills that are worth dying on but like scarface is a stupid movie oh, it's always bugged me when people are like check out my scarface shirt and uh, sure, you sure, know, they're of like, course yes every yeah. episode well, like, of mtv cribs exactly yeah <laughs> oh, this is your aspiration wow. <laughs> like okay well i love i love because i because i was a little disappointed this didn't materialize in the 84 film because it's so prevalent in the book i, I love that they went to dorchy scott and they're like you know indigenous and he's like what sure i'll take the part like I what <laughs> so they they do him up to play not himself so categorically but they leave the eye basically like a normal looking eye i'm like really <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to like you know identity switch here but you don't even commit like <laughs> it, feels, it feels to me like they like a bridge too far like- like okay, so your name's Rainbird. We're not gonna play a being mean part, okay? We're not gonna we're not gonna go that route. It's like then why is my name Rainbird? Yeah. The only reason someone would be named Rainbird is if they're an Indian or a superhero, you know. <laughs> but he wears that freaking cloak. It's, it's like now I got a question though, Nathan. Like sincerely, like are, 
his eye is messed up. Like it's not. Yeah, it's not badly it's not mangled, but up. like. Not I like mean, the book. I mean, in the book, they they play up that it is kind of hideous to behold. I look at Percy Scott, and I'm like, that's they fair. put a cloudy contact lens on him. That's roughly it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. I just I thought you were implying it, like they it looks did, like he rolled out of bed, hung over, and they gave him a couple <laughs> cups, cups of coffee. Right, and just pulled his hair back and went to work. Come on, George. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he probably that's did. Really funny. No, that's really funny. That's cataracts. <laughs> oh, you're really getting into character today. No, no, <laughs> no I have cataracts. <laughs> In one eye, you know. <laughs> I'm to look that once we're done shooting. Oh, there um, goes. <laughs> favorite character so, ever. Read the 2022. Oh, that oh sorry. Oh, yes. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, is a long list. And so I'm just gonna <laughs> sum it up with the fact that uh, Charlie's teacher near the beginning is like, so you don't have any Wi-Fi at home, like no computers. Like, don't you know that could help your grades? And I was like, who are you? You're not a teacher. What is this? <laughs> Have you heard of the internet? Like, uh, really? <laughs> That's what we grade on here. I don't want you to feel piled on here, Charlie, but <laughs> maybe the you bullies are right. You're dissecting a frog? There's an internet for that. Have you heard of Google? <laughs> wow. They might just put the stupid frog in front of me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just go, just go to the library. And, 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 like, this carrot top MF is trying to make her feel like a freak. It's like, dude, look at you. <laughs> oh, man, that guy. Good lord. Okay, so that ain't right. Um, so, uh, confessionally, so I, I wrote out my that ain't rights based exclusively on the book. I didn't write any that ain't rights for the films, and then Blake took them all. So, um, <laughs> so, and I, and actually, so, so I'll just I'll just reiterate. No, I had written down the, the Rainbird Charlie connection. I think that whole thing is just atrocious. We've all talked talked a lot about that um i also had written down vicky's death just in any iteration like her death it's it's rough like it's rough to think about i think it is the worst iteration in the book because they describe some of what was done to her and that's that's sort of the worst of it in the imagination i think both are very restrained in the film versions which i was thankful for and i say that sincerely because i was really worried in the new one that they were going to just go for it and and was really like nervous of like ah oh, that's I like no, no, this no. character I don't, don't want to go for it is yeah. not, is not yeah. a phrase used on that set no, no, no. but I just mean you know I mean you know what I, I mean know, but, I know, I know. um but um but no so my so my that ain't right was just like just Vicky's death in general I do find it interesting that that pits the dynamic being you know Andy and Charlie on the run I I like that narratively. Um, but yeah, that was a big, that ain't right for me. I'll mention it just because it hasn't been mentioned, uh, sort of writ large, the lot six experiments in general, just like everything that they do, you know, the, the, the injections, what the injections do to people. Um, I know you had cited earlier, you know, just the, the, the tropey nature of secret conspiratorial government agency and such, but just removing that component to it, just the fact of like, they basically, you know, treat these people like lab rats. And and Nathan, you and I texted a little bit. I was like, you know, we we shouldn't even be treating lab rats like lab rats. But like this, that concept of the way that they have just my head in- exploded at that phrase. But um, but no, the lot six experiments just you know writ writ large. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, for the films, I I mean, a little bit of a hot take, maybe the first major hot take on 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 this episode about Firestarter. Um, 
it has some major problems, which I will which I will state with uh, with ease. But I am not as nasty towards the new one as I think everybody on this call is. Now that's not uncommon for us in these conversations. Here comes you know listen back to our it chapter two conversation. Um, but I think that uh, the and and this may lead into did did anybody have any more of that ain't rights that they want to share because then we can just sort of bounce out of the segment. Okay, so Bubble. Andy. Uh, Andy Nelson. <laughs> Take us out. <laughs> <laughs> that sure as hell ain't right. Because we have an actual home? Andy. Uh, yeah, I know. We have I an know. actual Andy on here. Tell him, Andy. Okay. Hello. There's like three Andys. In, there's three Andys in this conversation because there's Andrew Nelson with our jingles. There's Andy who's actually present for it. And then there's Andy from the book. So we got to yeah. distinguish. Um, so, so, so I'll lead in with this. Now, th- this segment may not go the way that I initially intended it to, and that's probably fine given the, the the time that we're looking at. But I had originally sort of pitted, a la what we had done for Pet Cemetery, that we'd have a little bit of a roundtable of just like, hey, let's let's pit the 1984 adaptation against the 2022 adaptation. If I'm keeping track, uh, Blake and Andy have not seen the 1984 version. Is that accurate? It's been a long time. If I have, it's accurate. Okay. All right. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So, so we'll kind of just talk. Through. So it'll go pretty quick. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so, so we'll just kind of talk through some things and not necessarily play the the roundtable. We're just going to kind of approach some subjects. We have all seen the 2022 version. So. We will maybe use that as the platform to discuss these different aspects, and then we can, for those of uh, Ian, Nathan, myself, who have seen the 1984 version, we can bring other stuff in um, as we see fit. But I'll I'll start with this, again, this hot take. Um, I feel like the 2022 version was a profoundly missed opportunity, and there are at least a dozen things that I would cite right now that, that I would say are genuinely terrible. I think... Uh, and, and the, the first things that I'll name is I think the changes they make to the Manders farm is just a waste of space. It's ridiculous. Um, absolutely hate what they did in the 2022 version of that. Uh, just hate that. Uh, I also hate terribly, um, the betrayal that they give to the character of Andy McGee in the film in that he more than once cites how he's conflicted and will not use his powers on his daughter only in the climactic moment to just completely abandon ship, use his powers on his daughter to destroy himself in a way that is just unfounded from the script and, and just it was completely a waste of any uh, notion of character work that they had done for that. So, so yes, hate those aspects of it. Um, and, then, uh, and, and then the other thing is like, I, I feel like the ending was very sort of rushed. I feel like the the last twenty minutes just felt like they were really just sort of flying through things. Man, they I to... wish. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean like they had they had so many things that they didn't establish very well that they 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 just sort of felt like they breezed through the whole you know climactic battle, uh, not paying off any of the things that I felt like they had done, and this is where this is where I'll pivot from where I think most of you sit is that the first 30 to 35 minutes of this movie, I was genuinely excited for the more restrained take. Now, my wife and I watched this together, and she said of it that it was very boring for her. So I know that like it's got a, it's got a slower pace. Um, it's dull. Uh, but I will say that especially because the 1984 film and the novel, I mean, the novel starts you right off with Andy and Charlie on the run from these guys. So it picks off like, right away from all of that. So I appreciated what I thought was about to happen. Oh, 
They're going to take a little bit more time with this. They're going to do some more character work. They're going to show us the quieter moments. They're going to show us that moment in the crib where it's like, what's the terror like for this mom and dad having to deal with this child who could set things on fire at any moment? Like I, That's what I really thought they were establishing in like the first 30 minutes or so. I loved, and I do say Lord love, I loved some of the conversations that Andy and Vicky had about how do we take care of her? How do we parent her when all of this is going on. And so I really appreciated like, oh, they're going to make this a more character-centric take. And then once Vicky dies, I feel like things really begin to fall apart. And suddenly, narratively, we're like, now now we just have to churn through the plot to kind of get to where we're going to go. So to me, I don't, I don't hate on the new uh, rendition as much. I feel like it was just a case of uh, of shaky commitment, like they were starting on a path that could have been very promising and then just completely abandoned ship somewhere mid-range uh, in a way that I think doesn't pay off. That's my hot take on the 2022 Firestarter. So, um, Can I yes, ask a Andy. question? Because you usually yeah, have the, the answer. Um, <laughs> was this film like started filming before COVID happened and then... Yes. It did, it did start and then COVID happened and they had to finish it. So, um, what I don't know is I don't mm. know if production itself was interrupted. I do know that pre production and, mm. you know, script crafting and every, and all of that happened in 2019. And okay. so, so <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so, so I do know that this was like a pandemic filming. Now, I don't mm. know if that means that they had to like, they started it and then they paused and, and there was some jumblings. I, I don't have that information uh, mm. at the ready, but but I do know that it was announced and, and uh, yeah, I, I see that hand. I'll come to you in a second. Um, I do know that it was announced and then it was a pandemic film uh, mm. to, to directly answer. But Nathan, you, you, you there. Brother Reed, you know, we're wearing the same shirt. Uh-uh. Mm-uh. We're mm-hmm. the same height. And... <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I want I like like us picking cockadoody Annie Wilkes is our number one king. Uh, I don't want you to feel alone, brother. So, oh, oh, and and together we'll hold the power stone and fend off these three. That's right, Jack and apes. And <laughs> here's the thing: it's a bad movie. That's okay. <laughs> it chapter two is a bad movie. It chapter two is a bad movie. This is a bad movie. You can have bad movies. And still find things worthwhile about him. And I will say this for me. This is for me. This is for your boy. <laughs> it's a bad movie. It's a better interpretation of the book than the original, than the 84 is. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought there. Now, here's, here's the thing that becomes so paramount to me in these conversations in in so far as it's just interesting it's interesting to me to talk about this part of the process is is adaptation like i have the the i had the distinct pleasure in the last little bit to re-listen to a number of our quarterly kings and pet cemetery specifically which is a book and then two films and and the i was the kind of uh uh mild defender of the newer pet cemetery over the old to a certain degree. And, and part of it is just this, this conversation about adaptation. And I think the question mark is, does the new Firestarter make any sense at all without the book? And what I mean by that is it was an interesting adaptation to me because I knew the book. Hmm. Is it 
worth is it a worthwhile watch for someone totally unfamiliar with this? I don't know. I, I really don't. Um, but some of the ways they distill the the accessible but bulky plot from the book, I found genuinely kind of interesting. I was like, this is stuff like uh, um, little maneuvers like Andy using the dollar bill trick on Irv, Smurv, Perv, Scamander, <laughs> you know, like like little things like that that showed me somebody read this book <laughs> and knew the things that were in it. And on a certain level had some sort of command of, of interpreting it to a new film. That's why even with great love, I'll say, I actually think the script isn't totally the problem. The hmm. problem is everything else, the production itself, such that, you know, the, the scene, and, and I suppose this is me just running off of the mouth, but the scene when, uh, uh, actual, uh, um, indigenous actor Rainbird uh is 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 choking Vicky I was like is this a rehearsal are we watching a, f- a, qu- a blocking rehearsal like it was so uninspired and and non-menacing to me the way he was sort of the, the blocking the physical choreography like I couldn't help watching this movie being like but y'all are gonna film this right you're gonna <laughs> <laughs> you're going to take this rehearsal and, and <laughs> no, do it for it. real. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. That's what it felt in places. I was like, this is, this. it just, it's odd. It's an oddity to me how I can feel like, and I texted you this read the night I watched it. I said, this is not a good movie, but it's a more interesting version of this story on film than to me, the original, the 84 was, hmm. um, <laughs> You know, the 84, and this is, again, this is Nathan's sort of hobby horse, this adaptation conversation. 84 is very loyal to the text. Very. But is that a good thing? Ultimately, because you, you, because how it comes off to me is just, let's just cram as much of the text into the, the beginning and end of this film as we possibly can, whether it kind of works narratively or not. Versus what happens in this new one, which I will, <laughs> I'll make fun of this new one for the next hour if we want to do that. <laughs> but I at least found it mildly interesting of an interpretation. That's, that's, mm. I think the casting is better. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the, the, of course, 1984 fireball effects are going to look stupid in 2022. <laughs> um, I think the little girl is better. Um, there are things this movie, there are things this production had going for it. Its final product is definitely not one of those things. It reminded mm-hmm. me about the end of it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, some of the podcast listening I do, uh, uh, with folks who work on a particular show, the, the, the guy who worked on Briar Patch, a guy named Andy Greenwald, and he, he introduced this concept to my listening, which is that of tiny town and tiny town is a phrase in writer's rooms that, that that they actively try to avoid when making TV shows is the nature that you're going to watch the show and you're going to think there's like 10 people who live in the town. They're trying to center this story in. And like you, you have to constantly work to avoid this looking like tiny town. By the end of this movie, I was like, this is tiny government facility. There's nobody here. Are the lights Mm -hmm. even on? Like, Mm -hmm. is there a production staff? Are there anyone like, is, is, is there a piece of glass between you because COVID or because it matters? Is Zach Efron actually buckled into something? Other than, <laughs> are these 
loose straps just cut out of the director's car and draped over him. Like it was weird. Um, so yeah, I, that's a long diatribe of simply saying, Reed, I'm with you that the germ of a few things are there. It just ultimately does not materialize, but that, that's mm-hmm. my hot take. <laughs> All right. My hot take is that there wasn't a moment of this that I liked. Yeah. <laughs> From the beginning. Somehow because- that's, I don't, I mean, what's fascinating about you saying that, Ian, is, is that you're taking me off guard with saying, I don't, that surprises me to hear you say that. <laughs> 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 no, that's where you're going. <laughs> Carry on, please. My brother. I, I, did, I never had a nanosecond of belief in Zach Efron as a human being. Well, in your defense, I texted Reed. I said, what kind of Botox work has Zach Efron done? He does not look like a human. I don't know <laughs> what's going on in that man's face. His, yeah, I mean. <laughs> it's his, not normal cellular <laughs> death and regeneration. This, I don't know what this. <laughs> someone's using Zach Efron as a like skin puppet. <laughs> it's, a, it's the cockroach alien from Men in Black. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But like he's not a dad. He's he's, <laughs> he's a dude. He's a dude. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a skinwalker pretending to be he's a dad. Signi- <laughs> he's a significantly older brother who's sick of babysitting <laughs> his younger sister. Been an interesting That's how he's playing it. You know, he's, right. he's that's acting. And uh, anybody I want was some really, pancakes? <laughs> yeah. I'm so tired, but who wants pancakes? And it's like, dude, you don't have shredded abs like that guy. And you eat And pancakes. have a pancake mix. And yeah. You never ate a pancake. You ate that. Very similitude. Very similitude died that moment. <laughs> All right. I'm out. I believe a girl can emanate fire from her very body. But that man don't eat no pancakes. That man don't eat pancakes. <laughs> And I was I was really disappointed because I I have come to really appreciate uh, Rainbird's actor, mm-hmm. um, gray eyes. Yes, uh, he he was astounding in Wild Indian, which mm-hmm. I texted you all a couple weeks ago after I saw it. That's a movie and, or a show uh, or what? That yeah, is a that is a movie. Okay, it's um, is it about- recently made too? I think it was just released twenty twenty one, and. Um, it's advertised as a thriller, but it's just, it's a moral drama, and he absolutely is astounding in it. Mm-hmm. And it is, um, it is about, um, the ramifications years later of, um, things that this native boy did. And, and, um, him, hmm, he doesn't live with the consequences, he avoids the consequences entirely. But anyway, he sells it. He absolutely, utterly sells it. And I just couldn't believe that this was the same actor <laughs> that I was watching here. And and it it was really disheartening to me. Like, is somebody going to yell maybe, action? What's that? Is somebody going to yell action? <laughs> like, so I'm going to choke Joker? Like right now? Are you filming? Oh, uh, dude. Dude, the second he's like, the second, he's, the second he's he got, answers, I've got nothing on George and Scott, you know? The second he answers the phone and is talking to Cap, uh, like mm-hmm. that, that scene where you see nothing but his back, like yeah. the way he answers the phone and he talks on the phone, I was like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. no, this wow. is not going to be good. This no. is not going to be no, good. 
Yep, he's he's stock, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. uh, black ops, <laughs> yes. you know, operative. Like, yeah, not even a good yeah. stock black ops. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like monotone. <laughs> it's like- yep. So I mean, it was just from the I I never had buy in with this at any point, so I didn't lose it. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I feel like the only person who wanted to actually be in this movie in the making of this movie was the woman who played Vicky. She's the only one who felt human to me at all in the whole I film. thought it was Red from that 70s show. I thought he was the only one who maybe wanted to be there. I mean, he's good. Yeah, sure. I liked I liked Vicky in this. I mean, I I, I mean, I will say, so I, you know, Sweet it's rating. not. And, You're right. I, Someone liked the thing, too. Me too. No, no, I, know, I know, I know, I know. Um, and, and Andy hasn't gotten a chance to, to speak, so I'll p- pivot to him in a second. But, like, honestly, and Blake may have more thoughts, but... Um, the I mean I I do agree that there's a, a kind of a plasticity over a large number of the production. Um I I think part of it for me was I watched the nineteen eighty four so I watched the twenty twenty two Firestarter when it wow uh, I watched the 22 for podcast listeners. Nathan was just doing the Andy push thing. Visualization. <laughs> Andy push. That's the Stephen King inspired dance move. He's doing the Andy push. <laughs> so he looks like Papa John. Oh my gosh. He, 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 so he I watched like Harlan Williams every time he drinks the pee in Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I watched the, no, it doesn't matter. Um, but the, I watched the. <laughs> I just want my, my feelings. That's what on, they said by the end of the movie. Yeah, right. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Just carry her off. Just pick her I've up been, and walk with her. Who six cares? feet away. Six feet away. Right I've been, I've been mentally. He was just leaving. He was just leaving. <laughs> just like, I'm this. Exactly. I've been mentally and emotionally bracing myself for like, yeah, I'm gonna be on an island. On this, so that's fine. Um, the, I watched the 2022 one the night it came out with my wife, and then I there's a little bit of distance. That was a few weeks ago, as of this recording, uh, two or three at least. I watched the 1984 one, and then rewatched the second, the the 2022 one. Um, and I will say that my feelings on it immediately after watching it the first time were very akin to everything that is just being described here. I think maybe what happened to me is I watched the 1984 interpretation and then that same night rewatched the new one and for reasons I'm still kind of parsing out, came out with a lot more affection to the new take. A, I knew what to expect, so I knew what not to sort of get my hopes up for and seeing the very direct and i mean like it's almost a translation not even an adaptation like the very direct narrative right. that the 1984 takes and i found some of the elements of 2022 significantly more interesting by comparison so and that was clarify that was did you just say you watched it twice i did watch it twice. yeah i did no i did yeah here's the thing You're, though man you like, are a good man and i say that with <laughs> utmost sincerity listen this man cannot he cannot be trusted to recommend stuff, okay? He cannot be trusted to recommend stuff. But Stephen King oh. <laughs> said he can't be trusted to Especially recommend stuff. Especially his own work. Okay? Yeah. No, Inspired no, by his own work. But he hated the 84. He hated the 84. And the director, Mark Lester, has even gone on record saying, I have no idea why he hated it. He said, because he hated Kubrick's The Shining because it was so different. We made a movie that's exactly like his book, and he hated that one. And he still to this and he still to this day says that he's not fond of the nineteen eighty four 
adaptation of Firestarter. And this is what he said on record. Stephen King can't be trusted, but this is what he said on record. He said, I don't know what it is. He said, I only saw the 1984 one when it was released, you know, 30, 40 years ago. He said, I've watched this new one three times already. And, and so, I, I mean, like, what I will say is there is something that I can't quite put my finger on, and I think you nailed it, Nathan, better than I could. While the payoff is not there, I think there are more interesting elements in this interpretation of this story in the 2022 version. Whatever foibles and flaws the production itself has, I think the inaugural approach or the attempt at an approach is more interesting than just directly taking the book. But so that quick, quick seeking clarification here, because I'll admit I dozed momentarily during the 84 and felt like I was dozing through the 22, but actually didn't because it was just, I actually made it to the end, but I got confused. (laughs) I know it's hysterical that just Rainbird wanders off into the horizon carrying Charlie, like (laughs) at the end of 2022. Yes. And his foot, the actor's foot catches the camera cord and pulls it towards them. Like there's no one manning that camera. So I, I recognize it's 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 wildly absurd, but do they even try to like motivate it? I I don't remember. By then, I was like, "What are what are we doing?" Yeah. You got a bunch so, of big potato folks, you know. I mean, I mean, I mean, here's what I took from it: is I know this, in the book it's it's filthy, but no, uh, no, no, no. I know, in I'm the, just in, kidding. No, but in the movie. In t- in the 2022 version, and I knew they were going to probably do something different with Rainbird because, and I and I am sincerely interested to hear your thoughts on the novel's interpretation of Rainbird, or like the novel's presentation of Rainbird, yeah. um, which problematic Jeez. casting of George C. Scott notwithstanding, the 1984 version of him again, George C. Scott's casting notwithstanding, is pretty akin to the way the book describes. Yeah. You know, he's a little bit more lascivious in the book, but. Um, like the 2022, he is a victim. Like he's a victim of the shop experiments, which he was not sure. in the yes. novel. And so he's a he's a victim of Lot Six. And when he sees what Charlie can do, he begins to see it as like, no, this this all needs to burn to the ground. We'll get sure. into some of this when I come to theme. But he's like, this all needs to burn to the ground, and she needs to burn me to the ground. I'm I need to be done with. And when she shows him mercy, what I took in the 2022 version, is that he is then going to be like, okay, I will, if she's shown me mercy, then I will do what I can to to support, take care of her. Okay. I did not get any of the... Oh, you know, I know, the, I know. The, I was, you know, I was but, being... But, know, but I, you know, that's, that's what I think the attempt at an alternate take is, is him being, again, he's, he's a victim in this as opposed to a cold-hearted assassin. And, and, and then when she shows him mercy he chooses to reciprocate and, and decide that he's going to take care of this now orphaned girl. Well, and, anyway, and all, all of the changes, notwithstanding, it was so funny. Cause when, um, uh, Colonel Sanders, Perv Smanders <laughs> shows up 22, I was like, there is no way this child ends back up with these people. Right. You know, so, no. <laughs> so then it's just, well, no, just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculous, man. That, that oh. whole scene is so stupid. Well, thank like, you for you sort of clearing uh, that up. I was, I was mainly going to say that, like, I, I largely agree with you, Reed. Um, I think if the movie had been better up to that mm. point, I would have been happy with the changes to mm. Rainbird. 
And yeah. I, even in the book, I was hoping he would come around and yeah. end up on the same side because while it increased uncle Stevie creepiness aside with that relationship, like I, the part of the book I found so compelling was actually his interaction with her and the way he mm. was playing the game. I thought it was mm. really impressive. Um, and I, I thought, you know, I just, I just found that to be basically putting the whole half, second half of the book inside the institution with this kind of cat and mouse layer, uh, mm. play on top of it just was really compelling to me. Um, mm. and there was always part of me that was like, Oh, come on, Rainbird. Like, come around. Like, <laughs> take these guys out. Like, they all deserve it. Like, you're clearly yeah. smarter, better, like, than mm-hmm. all these people. You're around. Like, just take them all out and let her go Better free. shoe collection. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I was like, you long. know, might as well. So, so, basically, going back to 2022, I think if I hadn't have struggled so much getting through the film, mm-hmm. I would have been <laughs> fine with that ending. Like, I would have mm-hmm. been good with it. Yeah. No, at the, no, I I hear what you're saying. I want so two things real quick, somewhat selfishly. I want Andy to be able to share some thoughts because he hasn't yet. And then if we can immediately from there go into Ian, I really am curious to hear your take on on Rainbird. If we can just prop those two things up and then we can go wherever we want to go next. But Andy, I haven't heard from you yet. What's your feelings on 2022 Firestarter? Uh, I just it felt rushed. Um I wish it just would have more I I I wish I would have watched the 1984 one because it sounds like mm. it's a better at at adaptation <laughs> of um of um the book and I I I what I've read and I've read 92% of the book consider <laughs> on my Kindle what I've read of the <laughs> book which means you might be like right towards the end cuz they yeah, always give yeah. you a little buffer there exactly yeah oh, yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah, so, but what I've read in the book, I really enjoyed, and I would have liked to have seen those relationships, you know, even some of the, past, like, when they got Lot 6 in the, um, in the movie, you know, it was in the crit, in the beginning scroll, you know, and somebody mm-hmm. yeah. pulled yeah. their eye out, you know, it wasn't, yeah. mm-hmm. it wasn't even, you know, like, I wish they would have put more of the story in it. Um, I wouldn't have minded Rainbird taking her off. Um, if I didn't know he was such a creep from the book, mm-hmm. so that's—I mean—that's my hot take. Yeah, no, I—I I get it. I get it. So we're talking a lot about Rainbird and Ian. I am very, very curious. I even texted you before. Why, why are you curious what Ian thinks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yes, yes, exactly. Um, but no, I, you know, uh, as someone with indigenous heritage, I really am curious to hear, you know, what, how you feel about the press and, you know, book, any version of the films, obviously I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on John Rainbird as a character. So, Initially, I was excited that Michael Gray Eyes was going to play Rainbird, mm-hmm. not just because, oh, at last there will be an Indian actor portraying him, because in the um, implausible sequel, Firestarter Rekindled, Malcolm McDowell plays him. Right. So not, oh, yeah. not wow. once, but twice. <laughs> just white-ass cornbread actors <laughs> play John Rainbird. Cornbread. Um, um, 
And uh, I, I don't want to spoil anything about Wild Indian, but I was really excited that Michael Gray Eyes was going to play what I thought was going to be the psychopathic killer mm. of the novel. Mm. And because um, I thought this guy can, this guy can accomplish this. This will actually be believable and frightening. Mm. Um, so I, I have no problems with, um, <laughs> I have problems with the dynamic between Rainbird and sure, Charlie. Sure, and sure. Yeah. I mean, in a way, but it's also like, it, it's sophomoric. It's not particularly well done. I mean, we're supposed to capture that. Um, we're supposed to apprehend that Rainbird is doing whatever he needs in order to uh, be in her trust because, you know, he's going to gain this power by killing her. Mm-hmm. And um, I, that that whole um, thematic I don't have a problem with because there are bad Indians. <laughs> that's And that's part of the point of, like, the only good Indians, the Stephen Graham Jones novel, the... Uh, the, the four primary characters that most of that novel is uh, based around, they're very aware of how they fall short of their, their forebears, the expectations of um, themselves as young men in their tribe, and that's the active question throughout, like, so who are the... Again, I, I, I can't reference Wild Indian enough because it comes up there too, but like, are there good Indians left? Are mm, the wow. are the good Indians the ones that died fighting? Is is that who the good ones are? Wow. And we're just we're just here. And wow. um so all that to say, I don't I have absolutely zero problems with a, a villainous Indian because there are there are decent Indians and there are just evil Indians because we're human beings. <laughs> and there's <laughs> And we are no more exalted than any other um, band of sons and daughters of Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a there's a historical um, piece of uh, responsibility that um, a nation bears towards um, our tribes. That's true, but it doesn't. Uh, I don't know. That doesn't um, weigh out in the uh, spectral balance of of good and evil where like whites are, are more evil than Indians. Mm. It, it, it also just so happens that there's a lot more of you. So like, yes, there is more <laughs> evil from you, but that's just because there's a hell of a lot more of you guys than there are yeah, of us. You know, it's, it's, it's not, it's yeah, not anything well, about you. Just, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's nothing about y'all individually. It's just, there's, there's way more of you, you know? <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, almost want to say, hey, it, it is interesting that they um, changed Rainbird's uh, approach for the 2022 Firestarter, where yes, he's a victim, and he um, he does what's expected of him, he's good at it, and he's been um, a part of the machinations of the, of the shop and is an instrument. And um, I don't know, maybe there is a hypothetical universe where that iteration of his story is told and it's done in a compelling manner, mm-hmm. but it didn't happen here. So it felt like in a special way, because I know that Michael Gray eyes could have given us the cold soulless killer. Mm. And so, um, it, when, when you cannot deliver on this alternative, 
then I ask, why'd you even attempt it? Yeah. Mm. Um, it, it feels hopeless to me that this other version could have ever gotten off the ground. And so it feels like a, a waste of time. Like it could not have happened. So, so just give me him as the efficient, ruthless killer who, who longs to look into the eyes of his victims. Mm-hmm. Michael Gray eyes could have done that and it would have been chilling. And that, that might have been worth watching. And this just, it, it's, it feels to me like the, the, okay, hey, you got the actor's, you know, ethnicity right, but that's <laughs> it. <laughs> like, so, so, like, as egregious as it is that George C. Scott played John Rainbird, his was a better John Rainbird hmm. than Michael Gray Eyes was. He's scary. Wow. Like, like, I will say yes. that, like, yeah, to, to your point, when George C. Scott, because, at the end of the day, yes, it's atrocious that he's playing an indigenous character, but George C. Scott's a hell of an actor. And yes. so and so when he looks at her and softens his, you know, uh, friend John persona and raises his arm as if he's about to, you know, destroy her and you see that change come over his face, I agree that that's a pretty effective moment. Again, if you can just, you know, divorce the atrociousness of the casting as a character yeah. portrayal and at the end when he's saying, I love you, Charlie, when, and this is in the 84 version, when he's saying, I love you, Charlie, as he's about to kill her, like, yes, that all that all comes from a place that, again, Scott, as a performer, just was able to endow that, despite the, uh, you know, the complexities of, of him being cast in the role. Right, yeah, I, I just, <clears throat> I, I am able to simultaneously affirm, like, man, that... That was stupid. Why <laughs> in the world would you cast this guy as as an Indian? And also say that John Rainbird was more convincing and more effective than Michael Gray Eyes not being ever sure that the camera was rolling. <laughs> <laughs> just go for it. What? Yeah, right. Um, no, we just want to see you do some stuff, and we'll keep the best one. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. Improv you style. The You're the man. But it's it's funny. It's funny hearing you say that and talk about this scene because because this is actually making me go back on something I said earlier uh, to read is that now I'm not so sure that I would be okay with the ending of the new one. Yes, and here's the reason. Real time. And here's the reason. Um, King has a has a history of of falling into tropes of like quote-unquote magical negro that's yep. the trope title and mm-hmm. and the reason why i think i liked firestar so much is that it actually felt he was drawing a character in john rainbird that was not owing to a white person hmm. <laughs> it's like he had his own agenda he went through the whole movie or the whole book with his own agenda he didn't right. help any people out Mm-hmm. At all, he's smarter than any of them. He's smarter the than everyone he's, in the room. He's the, he is the smartest and most cunning he's, character in the novel. Going through the whole, off. yeah, exactly. And yeah. so he's going through this whole thing, and it's just like that was a really well drawn like villain. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, just, yep. Yeah. And and and, and then the, so the the twenty twenty two version, you know, they've they've run out of. There's no more, no more feet of film to. To film with, and like, well, let's give it a one floor of the cuckoo's miss ending. How about that? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it, why? 
But in reality, we know that, that it's just my hungry eyes <laughs> saying, you know what? I'm done. That's the thing. We're leaving. Is no one was calling cut. And he was like, they all right. just went to craft services. And he's like, Grey Eyes is like, well, I can't just leave her here. <laughs> so he's actually just carrying her to craft this services. This is a little girl. She yeah, needs to come, go home. Come with me, kid. You're, you're right. Right. I got you. Let me, let you're me tired. A, it's late. Let me, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a long day of, sh- of shooting. Quotation marks. Um, uh, uh, it's this 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 may go nowhere, but it also may bridge the gap into theme, and so I, I feel compelled to ask it because it's unfair to ask pop entertainment to do the kind of work I'm about to propose. So I I can recognize that mm. it's unfair. Let me rephrase it. It's unfair to look at 1984 Firestarter. So use this in micro. It's unfair to look at 1984 Firestarter and think you guys should have known better here. Right. I think there's a world where maybe we've inched closer to the capacity to do what I'm about to propose. Uh, Blake, when you <clears throat> were describing Pennywise on your villains list, your Pennywise that you described, mm. I thought that's interesting. Yeah. For me, and this is going to bridge into Firestarter. It chapter two, uh, a little bit. It chapter one, both though two is the primary offender is not interesting to me because we settle for bookmarks as villains, as, as it's, it's a placeholder like Mm, scars guard as Pennywise. It's a fantastic performance of a great character that for me in it chapter two amounts to nothing Mm -hmm. because the, and it sounds like I'm castigating these things. I'm more saying what interests me these days is less what is ves- what is present in where we're ta- the things we're talking about here. Because ultimately, do I want to see a bunch of adults scared by, you know, heebie-jeebies? Oh, there's a, there's a headless soldier walking at me. It, as I said on that conversation, it's going to have diminishing returns and greatly so. Your Pennywise you described, which is pointed to and much more realized in the text. Yes. But even... Still, I'd say there's grounds of that story were written today to be to lean much harder in. Oh yeah, is is what is it? What does it look like? Not aesthetically, but imaginatively, emotionally, psychologically, to create a villain and 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 its form and shape and menace be the darkest mirror reflection of us, not what scared me at three, but what heinousness culture itself has perpetrated, right? That's, that's the idea of a Pennywise in reverse. You know, you keep talking about Rainbird, and ultimately, at least in this one, I'm like, he doesn't even, it doesn't even matter that he's native, right? It does not matter. And so when you cast an indigenous actor in a, in a role that in its original text is indigenous and all that means, however King did or didn't do it well, notwithstanding, like it, it just clicked with me, Ian, when you were talking about his subjugation by the shop, I don't like to do this story, right? Right now. I don't think I'm unique in this. I don't need you to show me uh, 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 an indigenous person who's been, uh, given psi powers by a government agency to know they are coming from a place of oppression and weight 
by virtue of who they are themselves. Like the the picture you two just painted, I'm thinking of Blake and Ian, but it's 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 uh, filtering all around too of uh, uh, um, Anglo child of supernatural power pitted against indigenous uh, uh, person and all that ha- all that that line carries with it. That's fascinating. That is a fire waiting to start. And it just doesn't even spark, right? Like that's a really fascinating story to me that at least this movie, and I, I will agree, like however much I think some of the twists or in, uh, interpretations of this new one are fascinating. It's also why I say, I don't know that it makes any sense outside of knowing the book because there's just no there there. Uh, there's no, there's no, um, there's no point of view. There's no, there's no character. <laughs> I think, no, I think, I think you have it exactly right on the point of view. I think that's exactly what the the film lacks. Is it? Is it's trying? It's doing the whole you know third person omniscient. It's trying to be yeah. everyone's perspective, but it doesn't need to do that. Like the book is clearly not from the omniscient perspective. It's very much a Charlie and Andy story. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that. Yeah, it does. I want to. I want to add something, if I may. You may, and that's that. Uh, what you just said uncovered another layer of my disappointment. Again, I was very excited about Michael Gray Eyes because he has uh, such ability, and um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Where it doesn't matter that he's native in this in this rendition, it, right? It, he just happens to be so okay okay solely on the basis of the actor i had a hope that i would see almost a portrayal of the kind of upward mobility that um so so in my tribe most folks live on reservation and it sucks there and it's hard to get out because there are it feels uh, perverse to call them benefits, um, but groceries are cheaper. Grass, uh, uh, gas is cheaper. Um, there are amenities of that sort that make it really difficult. If you try to get off the res, now you're looking at like, oh, homes cost how much? <laughs> and holy cow, like a better school, I might have to like, I might have to pay for my kids to go to a private school. Uh, things like that are um, very real material inhibitions it's, it's not that anyone is patrolling the gates and saying you can't leave just the reality is when you look at possibilities there are fleetingly few um and unfortunately there there are there totally are indians that you know they they make the right deal they sign you know this treaty agreement so that this corporation has rights to this and they didn't consult the tribe, but so they now can cash in on the American dream. They have a nice big house. They have a summer home. They have multiple cars, <laughs> new cars. Um, just these uh, badges that are not, they don't even stand out to majority culture anymore. Mm. Just things that all of us just have. Mm-hmm. But like for an Indian, um, I don't think it's fair to call it, you know, that they're going white, but like they, 
dress like, behave more like the majority culture. That's that's sure. all I try to yeah. all I'm trying to say by that. And um, the possibility of an embittered native who was given psi abilities, it could have it could have given us a, a uh, interesting yeah. look into yeah. something analogous to that. But that again, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. So I have a I have a number of disappointments that come from like possibilities that seemed hinted at, given the talent that they enlisted sure. for this. And then absolutely nothing was was done with it, and it was just oh, it's an Indian, and he's killing the cops and shooting Schmerv in the <laughs> in the leg, and 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 oh, now he's a good guy. Okay, right, and. and uh, so I yeah. d- just a waste of time. So I don't. Uh, so here's. I mean, here's what's funny. I'll try. I, I, I'll try my best not to fumble this ball the way the film fumbled uh, every <laughs> single thing it tried to do. Um, so so three statements. Statement number one. I I'll reiterate the point that I made that I think, especially in its third act, the last thirty minutes of this movie. This movie is is a sequence of horribly missed opportunities, and I feel that way even with the next two statements I'm about to make. Um, the, the the way that it sometimes undermines the things it itself was scratching at in its first 30 minutes uh, just completely betrays and undermines that. Second thing is, I I disagree that it doesn't have a point of view. And I disagree that, it, that, that this... Now, it doesn't do it well, but I disagree that it doesn't matter that he's native and everything. I think what they were attempting... Is and then I'll make a third statement. I think what they were attempting is they were attempting to wrestle with, and again, just do nothing with it. I think they were attempting to wrestle with what happens when things have been done over time that have just been hidden, discarded, cast away, and then so so I pull I, I pulled this up. I didn't write many of these quotes down, but I pulled this up because I was like, okay. So Vicky says early on when she talks about the explosion that happened in the thing, she said, "This is what happens." I'll read it verbatim. Vicky says to Andy, she says, "This is what happens when you stuff it down. It doesn't go mm-hmm. away." And sure. and so they are talking about like this is what happens when trauma, pain. Uh, we're just going to ignore the thing. We're not going to talk about the thing, okay? We're just going it, to... It's just a thing that we don't do and that we don't talk about. And when we shove all of that to the side and cast it away, it's not as if it takes away its power. No, in fact, that, that power is still there. And it's going to come forth in some way or another. It's going to be unleashed. And then the other thing that really stood out to me, as, as I mentioned earlier, I was really fascinated by the first like 30 minutes or so of some of the conversations that they were having, but something that Andy said to her about when he hurt the people that tried to take her, when he had them kill each other, which is not what happens in the in the um, book. In the book, he, he he blinds one of them, and then uh, I forget what he does. The other one. Oh yeah, he he, he does. Some, yeah 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 yeah. He he just basically like sort of breaks their brain. And uh, something that in the film, Andy says to her, he says, when you hurt people, you don't just hurt them. It sure. hurts everyone around them, and you don't come back from that. So I, I'm feeling, again, a bit of an impulse to defend what I think the film was trying to do. And, and again, reiterating, fumbled the ball horribly. But I don't think it had no point of view. I think the reason it pivots to Rainbird being a, a victim of Lot 6 is the fact that here we have an indigenous character and 
Hmm. There uh, seems to be some correlation with atrocities exerted against indigenous people over time. And then here we have these people who were experimented upon. And then you also have this child, this little child who the parents are, Vicky and Andy, and this is from the novel, they are burdened with like, how do we teach her? How do we teach her how to use this uh, and, and, you know, most specifically not use this as a destructive force? There is, and I'll say it this way, in, especially in, 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 in children, um, but in each of us, there, you will know what I'm talking about when I say this. And I, I say this in utmost sincerity that I, I want to approach this subject sensitively. There is a profoundly destructive force in each of us. And sometimes children don't know what to do with that. There is a profoundly destructive impulse in each of us. And then you overlay to that trauma and you overlay to that, you know, like systemization and you overlay that commodification, which is what the lot six whole thing was. And then you get the shop trying to weaponize her, um, all of these kinds of things. And, and I feel like there is something for all of the ways it does not land on a wholesome, encouraging thing to take away from it. I think one of the reasons why this story won't go away and why it sort of still sits as a, as a, a, a pretty landmark piece of King's canon is because at its root is the destructive power within each of us and what happens if that is tried to you know be abused tried to be leveraged anything like that like what happens with it like the climax of the of the novel charlie cuts loose and they said it earlier in the novel and they said it I, I think at least said it in the 84 film i don't know if they yeah i think they did say it in the 22 film as well they said when her power comes to fruition what if she has the power to crack the planet into like, what if she could do something truly and utterly devastating if it's left unbridled? And I think that's something that we don't often recognize is our own, adults, children, anything else, our own destructive capabilities. Because as much as I hate, and good God, hate with a capital H, that in the 2022 film that... So, so, so I'll make this dichotomy. In the 2022 film, Andy betrays every interesting thing they had done in the film and pushes her to set himself on fire and then go unleash everything else. That's atrocious, hideous, never should have made it past first draft. Never should have made it to film. There was, there was only one draft. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but in the, in the novel, when he realizes he's going to die, his empowering her to use her powers is for her escape that's all that's all it is like it's it's so that she can get free it is for her safety that he says it's okay for you to do whatever you need to do to get free like that's base and that's different because mm -hmm. he knows he's not going to be alive to to escort her to where she needs to go he can't take care of her anymore so he says it's okay for you to do what you have to do to get safe that's very different than the take on the 22 2022 film but there was an aspect of the 2022 film that stuck out to me, and the reason it stuck out to me is because we have made this exact same statement more than once on this show, is what does Andy, God, I hate this moment so much, 
But what does Andy say to her right before he pushes her? He says, burn it down. Burn it all down. And I know there are times where we talk about our, uh, I'll use myself. I won't, I won't hoist upon your shoulders anything that, that I, you know, won't make you have to defend or take responsibility for. But I'll say for myself, the nausea I feel when I hear about the abuses that have taken place, the nausea I feel when I hear about these even safe places that are now being perpetually violated by things, the nausea and the discomfort that I feel. And there is this impulse in me that wants to turn to somebody with some sense of power and say, burn it all down. Just explode it. Just absolutely destroy it. And I know that's not the the healthy, right, good way to go about it, but I think that's why this story has a power for me. It's because there's a part of me that che- cheers on Charlie Sharukin fireballs at, <laughs> at everything. There's a part of me that cheers her in that. There's, I still, God, it, it feels dumb in the moment right now, but I said when the trailer came out that I freaking found, I, I loved when she looked at that woman who was like, we can help, we can help. And, he's, and she's like, liar, liar. And then she said, pants on fire. Yes, it's a little silly, but I was like, given what she can, uh, you know, what she can do, liar, liar, pants on fire had some compulsion for me. And I think that's the thing is I just, I cheered her on in that regard. Yes, Nathan. I see well, that. I, see that I do want to, you know, um, um, maintain peace and friendship, but, uh, as the one who said no point of view, I think you're right. Um, there is some point of view. This movie is just not smart enough to know kind of what it has. I'll agree with uh, that because, yeah. because kind of what I poorly articulated earlier when I talk about pop entertainment is like in this case, they had the rights to Firestarter. They had the puzzle pieces to Firestarter. They put together a mildly different picture, but didn't really know what mm-hmm. those pieces represented. And and yeah, so yeah. I, I agree with you. The rough sketch exists uh, in light, delicate pencil form. And you, I'll sort of pose this for me as I was kind of dredging, um, not dreading, dredging uh, my thoughts on what, if anything, I had to pull from here and and you you sort of illustrated that dichotomy read and i think for a personality like mine this polarity exists and becomes difficult to live in the middle of but uh the stuff it or burn it mm-hmm. like i will be perfectly candid with the four of you here, I feel these days like I'm stuffing it. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little worried if I stop, I'll burn it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and so even healthy practice of living in equilibrium of those things feels out of reach. Um, and and so yes, if there's something to me interesting in the thematics of this book, it is that dichotomy, that polarity, that because I don't know how under the great weight of transgression institutionally pick an institution. <laughs> yeah. Point right. one. Right. How you resist that impulse to burn it but i also know neither is um 
One might be mildly more so, but neither is healthy. Um, and the one I think might be mildly more so is the burn it, but that's maybe just Nathan talking. Um, and so I just, I don't know. I find that I am appealed to in my life these days to the burn it down mantra, uh, and just hoping we all walk out onto the beach into the, <laughs> into the darkness together. Uh, pulling the cord with us <laughs> <laughs> tripping the next mm-hmm. shot after the credit stopped was him tripping and dropping mm-hmm. the guitar, like, <laughs> oh, 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 oh my bad <laughs> you know my if i if i if i articulate a whole lot more out of there i'll, I'll get a little heavy-hearted more so than i am right now but uh, ethan andy ian what's the uh, <laughs> character andy i get to go twice he did say ethan and then ian so. <laughs> um that's why I still get a cathartic um, pleasure from the 1984 Firestarter. Because, one, it's not Zac Efron. <laughs> and, two, it's it's not him pushing her to do it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I hate that um, moment so much, if you haven't heard. <laughs> but, it, but it is the eradication of the shop, which, like, I just don't... I cannot feel wrong about that. And I don't because what that is, is um, none of us are ever truly individual, independent actors. We're always enmeshed with each other. We're always entangled within something else. And the machine that is the shop, when it, uh, uh, so Andy can, can push people through, through Psy Powers, but the shop can push people by taking them captive and injecting them with, uh, chemicals and, uh, hunting them down and using operatives and, um, coercion of that sort. Um, and they rely upon the repression of, um, that, that anger that comes from being um, an instrument of being a tool of being um, something to be exploited. And uh, I, I guess that is one of the things that frustrated me so much about Andy in the 2022 one. He's just insisting like, well, she can keep repressing it. I mean, she has before like, are, are you not aware of what an explosion of the unconscious comes with puberty? Like, yeah, it's, there's no achievement in like su- repressing something when you're six. You're you're barely conscious. <laughs> but do you want um, some pancakes? Right. Yeah. Here. Here. Have some pancakes, honey. Everything's well, fine. That's, but that's the that's the big question at the end of the book is like what what it lands on. Yes, she delivers the the whole story to the mm-hmm. Rolling Stone, which is I think funny. But beyond that there's this big question of what happens when she goes through puberty. Like that's still there. Like that's over the whole story. And then they just end it right there. And you're like, the whole world could end literally. Right. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny you said that because I actually thought, because I did finish the book before either film. I, it surprised me. She survived just because of the apocalyptic potential. Mm -hmm. They, they imbue her with. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And I guess, I guess that's what I wanted to kind of like build towards and, and finish with. It's that what Charlie does by the end is, is the shop 
pursuing its own death drive. I mean, it's it's the um, Hammond and and his uh, corporation pursuing the the park and the lunchbox consequences be damned um how we arrive at it be damned um and the jurassic park is the culmination of all of the hubris that went into developing this product and when you when you make a human being into a machine um what that person does is the culmination of your own actions. <laughs> so I, I really don't see any other way to understand this except as the read. Yes, we all have these destructive um, inclinations. They it might not manifest as tendencies where we outright you know physically harm one another, but yeah. it certainly will manifest as we harm ourselves. We mm-hmm. overindulge in this and that, mm-hmm. and we hurt ourselves. And we make our our insides a little more empty by doing it, yeah. Um, or or we um, emotionally hurt the people around us um, directly, or or by the ways we hurt ourselves, hurt those who care about us. Um, but yeah, and, if we, I can... and we keep repeating these things. Yeah. We keep repeating these things, and that and that is what the death drive is, and the shop's death drive was finally actualized and realized in their own faces when it blew up in the form of Charlie. But yes. And it sounds like what you're endorsing is the, the burn it to the ground for the shop. And, and I fully support that choice where I wrestle with in the real is you start with a shop and where do you stop? You know, yeah. but yeah. that's, and that's that, what, yeah. And that, <laughs> When I, I reached out to a couple of you recently of just like pained, I, I, I didn't think I could get further disillusioned by a lot of institutional sort of entities that exist in our, our world, especially domestically here. And, and just this, this dearth, this absence, this black hole to get overlook mm-hmm. on us of of at risk of a tired word of virtue of 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 integrity of of uh, at risk of a dumb word heroism and and this kind of you know just again to read now we're just t- discussing today this this yeah I'll, I'll call it out we don't have to spend much time here if we don't want to and I don't know that I want to but this report from within the Southern Baptist Church this week and it's like, and, and you watch the shop close ranks, right? Yep. You watch it happen. Yep. Mm-hmm. With, with human debris for miles and miles and years and years around it. And it's stuff like this. And I, again, I'm not trying to pretend there's a perfectly peaceable path for all of us to walk at all times in all community. Mm-hmm. But friggin' frack, man. Like the burn it but, versus stuff it. But I, I yeah. what I would say is I'm not endorsing a program like first we're gonna burn this down and then we're gonna burn this down. I guess what I I'm saying is you were. 
I mean, part of me wants to, certainly. Know, yes, that's why I feel such glee when we get to the end of the 84 Firestarter. Get him. And I guess, but at, at, like translating this to the real world, I'm not saying let's make a list of all the, all of our targets to burn down. I guess what I'm saying is these things are going to explode. The yeah. nature of what they're doing is impossible. So I'm being Ian Malcolm. What you are trying to do is impossible. Yeah. It cannot be done. So get the hell out. But 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 you'll destroy yourself getting it. And that's that that's the blowing up part. Like that's what he's saying is the death drive is is continuing down the path you're already on and not seeing it as an issue. <laughs> not seeing it as the 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 death that it will become. Yeah. And the shop, that's what the shop did. They did it and they saw what their death would be. Yeah. But so. the twenty the 2022 film takes the swiftest possible shortcut to do this, but offers a solution that if it, I, I like your phrasing there, Nathan, if it was smarter, could have made more substantive. The 2022 version, not the novel and not the 1984 version, but the 2022 version presents an alternative to stuff it or burn it. And again, it takes the bumper sticker route to do it because it's not smart enough to do otherwise. But I despise, as much as I despise the changes to the Manders scene, I kept asking myself, why did they do that? Why did they have him cause an accident that killed their son and put his wife in uh, basically a vegetative state? She's still cognizant, but she can't communicate with him. And it's not until Charlie hears what she says. She says, and what, is she, what does Charlie say? Charlie says to Schmerv Manders or whatever we're calling him these days. <laughs> you're, you're hamstringing yourself. I, I know. Charlie says to him, she says, she forgives you. She said she mm-hmm. forgives you. And yes, that scene is cheap, but it's, but it's not nothing. And then what happens in the end? Rainbird stops them from taking her and subjects himself, submits himself to, yes. you do what you've yes. got to do. You do whatever you've yep. got to do. The smoke begins to rise from him, and she pulls it back, and she forgives him. Again, it's the bumper sticker. It's the cheap, sure. it's the cheap path, and the film is not smart enough to capitalize on it. But not for nothing, the 2022 rendition intentionally infuses something, an alternative, to stuff it or burn it. And that is see the pain, feel the pain, acknowledge the pain, and then work together to forgive the pain and to pull it back, to pull back that 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 flame, that burst that's there. And again, can't emphasize it enough. I'm not saying the film was smart enough or earned this, but it's not there. I didn't make it up, you know, or it's not not there. You know, like that again is the change that they put in the Manders film and the Manders scene. And then they 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 brought it back in this moment where like Rainbird again is very much just like, yeah. I d- he said to the captain, he's like, I deserve it. Yeah, sure, she'll, dr- she'll destroy me, and I deserve it. And then when he subjects himself to her, she decides to, take, to do something different. And then they, wa- as silly as him picking her up is, I like the moment when he extends, her ha- his, extends his hand to her, and it's like, okay, we, we can maybe find a path out of this together. Like, and, and so again, that, uh, that's in, that. in his defense, he didn't know they were rolling. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was that was a sheer exhaustion. It's quite true. I can't keep doing this. Yeah, it's quite true. But, oh man. Yeah. But we have to have an alternative to stuff it or burn it. We have to. 
and um, and I don't I don't know the cheap bumper. St- I mean, we could go the twenty twenty two route and take the cheap bumper sticker way, as many people do, to try to avoid the work and to try to avoid the mm-hmm. the homework and the and and the platforming and just say like, oh, just you know, you just got to pray on it. Oh, you just gotta you just gotta preach the gospel on it. You just gotta whatever. You can you can you know shortcut it as much as you want to do. The substance of what's there is still the same, and that's that you have to see the pain, you have to acknowledge what has been done, and then you have to find a way together to work to not let it get the better of you, to destroy yourself. Because what does Irv Manders do before she comes? He's, again, drinking himself into oblivion in the 2022 version. He's medicating it. Yeah. You know, He's Which, medicating the pain because he hasn't forgiven himself. Really quick, did, did y'all see what the beer was called? No. It's called Aya. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. A Y U H. That is. That's yeah. That's a funny yeah. King reference. Uh, <laughs> you're not that funny. <laughs> read, read. I. Uh, I'm just finding myself. Uh, I'm finding my heart strangely warm, as Wesley would say. <laughs> from a, from a movie that like I. It would be giving it too much credit to say I detested it. It was just there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, that is a very affecting moment. And I think that in terms of us trying to take something out of all this yeah, yeah. for negotiating the minefield that is our world, our primary world, um, I'm also against bumper sticker answers. I'm I'm convinced, nevertheless, that it, so yeah, preach the gospel, okay. But that those are just words, mm-hmm. and what that is going to look like in actual praxis, I think, is something like falling to your knees and and a submission to this is my involvement in it, yeah, and I'm wrong, and I am at your mercy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't think that many of us are willing to do that because we will find or invent however many mitigating circumstances we need to say, "I just was there, though." Right? You know, like, right. look, I'm right. sorry that that happened. I was just there. It's really him, mm-hmm. and and sometimes and sometimes that's true. I know, I know, it's not always as simple as you know everyone. But it also is. Mm-hmm. We've all done wrong. And we've all played a part in, if not the shop, in in shipwrecking someone else's sense of like a sensible, stable world where, yeah. mm-hmm. where good is possible. Mm-hmm. We've played some part in that. And we have to stop making, we have to stop defending some ideal versions of ourselves that don't exist. And that reminds me, the only other thing that I kind of enjoyed about this was that Zac Efron has to use his power to deceive people, to close the gap between who they really are and their ideal selves. Like imagine, imagine the best version of you. And the only way it works is when he uses his power to lie to them. (laughs) And I think we have to also stop lying to ourselves. Yeah. We are all shittier than we tell our followers on Twitter and Facebook and not in some abstract way. Mm -hmm. Like here is how I've wronged. I know that in, in the chat, 
Blake brought up AA, like, you get nowhere else without first saying, Reed, I did, I did this. Yeah, right. And there's yeah, right. no excuse for it. Right, right. And I'm sorry, will right. you forgive me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly feel that. Um, I know we're 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 potentially winding down to a bit of a close. Andy, you're still with us, there, buddy. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to see if you had any. He watched particular... the movie while we were talking. <laughs> <laughs> he would have had time. <laughs> I finished the book. Yay! Um, um, but no, yeah, and inviting your thoughts here as we wind to the close. I mean, my thoughts are probably out of left field, but, um, man, I just, I just love how much Andy cares for his daughter. Yeah. Throughout the book and throughout the, um, the movie, he, he does everything to protect her. He, you know, and the, in the movie, he doesn't want her to use her powers. You know, the Mo- Vicky wants her to learn how to control them and how to do that where he, he wants to protect her. I find that, I find that in myself as a parent, we're all parents here. Mm-hmm. Um, that I would much rather protect my son from doing something than I would rather than him falling and learning his lesson you know, mm-hmm. or, or whatever that is. But I, I felt like the book and the movie were, was a prime example of a journey of love, you know, of what will it take for you to love that. And it reminds me a little bit of the road by Cormac mm-hmm. McCarthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just what, are our prisoners have you seen y'all have seen prisoners? Yeah. Have y'all mm-hmm. even covered prisoners? We haven't. I mean, no, no um, maybe someday. Uh, okay, one day, just put me on there. Uh, <laughs> but um, what are you willing to do for your child? You know, and in, in the movie, he's willing to sacrifice himself. He's willing to push push her into um, using her power. And beyond the establishment, beyond the badness or whatever, but for her protection, because he loves her so much, he pushes her to destroy what could destroy her. And mm-hmm. I'm assuming from what you guys are saying about the ending of the novel, it's the same thing. He says, just, just go for it, baby. I know you can do it. I, you know what yeah. I'm saying? That's what, the director, that's what the director said to Zach. In scene. Yeah. Just go for it, baby. Just go you for can it. do it, baby. Go for it. But, um, I just, what am I doing? What am I doing? Um, I just, I love the journey of the, of the parent and the, and the child. And I well, think it does a great job of that. I think you're utterly and absolutely right, Andy. And in fact, that was like I was saying when I started the book, what surprised me I was like, oh, I just again, if you'd asked me, what is this book about before I started it? I don't know why I might not have landed on this, but I wouldn't have landed on. Oh, it's a journey of these two and that kind of thing. I love the the road comp. I will personally say for me, what you just described is uh, subverted, undermined, undercut, devastated by the choice to have the dad pusher in the new movie, I think. Uh, that doesn't materialize in the book or the original film. And it's just right. kind of, it's just kind of an unfortunate choice. It reminds me of what came to mind because it's mm. another horror 
film about family dynamics is a quiet place. Right. And what you just did yeah. is totally removed this character's capacity to come into their own on their own, uh, which is unfortunate, but nonetheless, yeah. I do, I do love that, that entire through line of all three versions, even if, uh, even if with that unfortunate misstep of, of this parent child dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, we've, we've been talking for a long time. Uh, I, what I will say, yeah, it is what we do. What I will say is we're going to, we're going to go ahead. If, unless anybody has a strong objection, we're going to move into the fog meter and sort of bring this conversation home. Um, if you have anything else that you want to throw in there that you want to say like, Oh, we didn't even talk about this. We didn't even talk about that. Then uh, feel free to do so when you deliver your ratings, how we're going to do the fog meter is, um, I do want to segment out a little bit of, uh, the novel and we'll go the 2022 film. We're going to ignore the 1984 film only because only three of us can speak about that with, with a strong degree of confidence. So we're going to compare the novel and the 2022 film in terms of our fog meter. We're going to give a fog meter for both, and then uh, we'll move uh, down that road, okay? So, uh, I am Ian... That rod. That rod. Ian, I'm going to be coming to you first for the fear measurement. This is our very specific metric, fear and God. Um, So, for the fear measurement, I want you to give out of 10, 0 to 10. Yes, you can use halves, but 0 to 10 for the novel... And for the 2022 Firestarter film, um, I'll give the novel a four. All right, and the 2022 found reels of blocking <laughs> um, a zero. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Heard a f- is the previs. <laughs> a four and a zero. Okay, Blake. I am coming to you next again. <laughs> oh my God. The <laughs> the novel and the film, the 2022 film on yeah. fear. Uh, fear for the novel. I think I'm just going to go with Ian and say a four. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2022. Uh, I mean, I generally speaking, don't find horror movies like quote unquote scary yeah. most yeah. of the time. Mm-hmm. And so Look at me I really <laughs> like one. Uh, (laughs) all right andy coming to you next uh uh, the novel and the 2022 film give it a fear rating each one a fear rating i've i've been wrestling with this um not with the movie part the movie i'll give it a a one um (laughs) but with the novel just recently with some family dynamics of of my household with um with my son um the fear was real is real for me with Andy trying to protect his child who has something different with them whose so name is I, Andy whose yes. name is Andy and <laughs> the, uh, you know, so I would say the fear for me, I would put it at a seven because it's okay. what I feel like I'm experiencing right now. No, I can I can appreciate that. Um, Nathan, novel and the 2022 film uh, on fear, um, because as mentioned, I, you know, uh, I was aware of the Dark Phoenix 30 years ago. And so, you know, redheaded power wielding 
mutants is not a foreign concept to me. And so from a fear standpoint, it doesn't do a whole lot. Uh, the film, I mean, I didn't, <laughs> I mean, I'm toggling between a zero and a one. Um, but I, you know, I'm going to let Ian have his place with the zero and I'll go with a one, uh, for the book. Um, it's not much higher. I'm going to give it a three. A three. No, I'm not. Okay. I'm going to give it a two. It's not, it wasn't scary. It wasn't scary. <laughs> Let two be two. two. Let two be two. Um, so for me on the fear measurement, I mean, don't, I don't think this is a terribly frightening uh, novel, but uh, at the same time, there are some suspense elements to it. Uh, there, There is a sort of an invigoration when Charlie does begin to use her powers for those reasons for the novel. I'm going to give it a five on the fear measurement. Uh, the film, I clearly gleamed more from it and and enjoyed it more in general, but I still don't consider the film to be a terribly scary experience. So on the fear measurement, I'm only going to land at a three, uh, which uh, is still uh, remarkably generous. Now for the God measurement um, for the novel, um, I still think it is probably one of King's most direct and, and I'll even say weakest thematically speaking. Um, so I, I just don't, I, th- I think there's some good archetypal stuff, but things that he has explored in greater depth elsewhere. Um, and so for that reason, I think I'm actually on, on the God factor for the novel. I'm also going to land at a five, uh, surprising no one in this conversation. I'm going to be pretty generous to the 2022 film because as the conversation has played out, I gleamed a lot from it. Uh, so my generosity towards the film in the God meter is landing that at a five, uh, for the thing. Cause I did gleam some things from it that I did not have to work to, to pull out of it. So for me, yeah, you, you didn't have to glean them. They were, I did, they no, were no, no, heavy no, handedly did, yeah. there. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, um, yes. Yeah, so that is, uh, five for the film and five for the novel. Um, and I'm going to go in reverse. Nathan, uh, what would you give on the God meter for the novel and the film? Uh, three for the novel. And I think you helped me see some of what was already like, uh, a beautiful mind materializing in front of me. Uh, and so I'll, I'll partner with you on the five for the 2022 film. Okay. And what about for the novel? I said a three. Oh, sorry, I missed that. Uh, um, all right. Randall Flagg is my number three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't make me accountable for information keeping. No, indeed, indeed, indeed. Within minutes. Okay, so Andy, for the God Meter for the novel and the 2022 film, God Meter. For the novel, I'll give it a seven. For the um movie on the god meter if i mm-hmm. it seems like a jesus shoe but it's not i would i would say because of the sacrifice zach elfron did because he held his own life in his hand I, y'all can disagree whatever but he could have he could have taught somebody i don't know but he sacrificed himself <laughs> for his kid <laughs> and so I give it a I give it a seven to he he did what he had to to protect his kid and I respect that all right uh, tremendously all right Blake to you for the novel and for the film um so for the novel I think you're right in that thematically it's not as strong as some of his other stuff unfortunately. <laughs> 
like I said before, his other stuff tends to get distracted um, a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, while, yes, it's not thematically heavy or interesting, he at least has a thought and sticks with it the whole way. <laughs> and so um, I I do like that element. And so on that level, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a six um, on, on the book. The movie... I think I think you're you're right in picking up on those things. I I struggle with when I when I have a whole host of other movies that have done it so significantly better with more depth and more character and things like that. It's really hard for me to give it too much credit because <laughs> most of those things are things that have been said almost word for word in other films that were much better. <laughs> Yeah, there. Calvary is him hitting his knees, waiting for his punishment. I mean, it's <laughs> it's these are thin, these are like almost tropes in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I yeah, I struggle to really get the heft. Uh, while I think it's there, I, I just struggle with with gaining a whole lot from it when it's so cheaply done. Um, so I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a three. All right. Oh my God, Mayor. Long right. to get to that three. Ian, <laughs> go for it. Novel and film on God Meter. The book gets a three. The movie was going to get a zero, but then we had yeah a really great look at that great discussion. Look at us. Look at us. So it was going to be a one, <laughs> but everything Blake just said was true. So it's a zero again. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly a life right. can't a life can't be made right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that means that the novel we give the novel a four and a half out of ten on the fog meter, and we give the 2022 film a solid two and a half <laughs> out of ten <laughs> on the <laughs> fog meter. <laughs> Now, Wait a minute. We will we will round robin this really really quick, but I think I know where pretty much everybody stands. So, just real fast, do you recommend the novel? No. Do you rec- Yeah. <laughs> do you recommend the novel? Do you recommend the eighty four film if you saw it? And do you recommend the twenty twenty two film? Same order, Ian. Uh, I mean, sure. Read the book. I guess. <laughs> wow. Let's go ahead. Do whatever you need to not watch the 2022 version. <laughs> Just read the book. If the 1984 one is on and you have nothing else to do and, and, and you're not just like, I don't know, staying awake because you're an insomniac and you're depressed. <laughs> oh my gosh. You don't... There's better things to watch and read. So yeah. no, no, no. All right, Blake. Uh, the 2022 movie? No, not at all. Um, the book? I don't know. Like, it didn't land like I was hoping because I had texted y'all before that this might be in my top five. Um, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not. It probably isn't quite there. Um, the ending didn't land quite like I was hoping. But um, I still feel like if you don't, if you're tired of Stephen King's Cosmic Turtles, um, it's not a bad book to to. to to pick up and read if you want to like a focused like simple Stephen King read mm-hmm. so yes I would recommend the book that feels okay. like something in the Stephen King 
gift shop, the King's Cosmic Turtles, you know. Exactly. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Um, you complimentary King's Cosmic Turtles. <laughs> Andy, do you recommend it or, you know, novel the film? Recommend the book. Um, if you're hanging out with your wife and she doesn't like scary movies, watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not very scary it's a it's not very point. scary my wife my <laughs> wife watched night. it with me so yeah 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 so. my wife watched it with me never you know she found it dull but she likewise she never you know you know had to leave the room or felt very tormented by it or whatever yeah um, my wife didn't make she me slept soundly well <laughs> my, if i if i watch a scary movie um my wife makes me watch something light-hearted before she can go to sleep so uh, she didn't need that for this one. Yep, that's a fair point. It was lighthearted enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this was, I'm having I'm having flashbacks to the Dark Tower, Rise of Skywalker. This these moments in time for the fear of God when we hold out for a thing to cover it, and then that thing arrives, and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> like a like a wet fart you know yeah so the question is do i recommend the book and or the two films um the films no the book um you know it's it's not a bad king book it's it's mm-hmm. if you're a king completist go for it uh there are there are betters uh, but for some reason, and I, I'm not actually saying that dismissively, but for some reason it is lodged in the psyche as far as a signature King work. Uh, mm-hmm. So insofar mm-hmm. as that goes, check it out. I would, yeah. I would personally pass on the movies. Yeah. So I, mean, um, I didn't, I didn't. Right. But I'm going to, um, I'm going to land in a comparable place to where I'm going to say that, uh, the, the book itself, uh, I mean, like it's pretty seminal King work. Um, it, it's a landmark in his catalog. If you are unacquainted with Stephen King's work, it's a good entry point. I do think I do genuinely feel that way. It's a good uh, starting place for it, a fire starting place, if you will. And um, for hey. the films, <laughs> for the films, I will say I do recommend the book. If you have a strong affection for the book, then either one of the films, sure. If you're like, I don't recommend the films on their own merit, but if you had a strong reaction to the book and liked it, then sure, check the films out. Uh, 2022, because I think there's some interesting stuff in it. And then the 1984 one, because it's a direct adaptation from it. And so it's kind of a relic in time. So that. But here's the question, Reed. Is anything in 2022 foggy nominatable? No, is no, the answer. But it's not. a gentle reminder for people to. Nominate things for the foggies. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course. Maybe when she just torches that random alley cat. What yeah, a random I, scene! That, that, is, that had to be the cat from Pet Cemetery, wasn't it? But, it looked no, like it. But, <laughs> but, you know, but you know what? Every listener should do, and this is not a joke. What every listener should do in terms of this, you know, the, don't shop. <laughs> the one thing, the one thing that absolutely is without question wholeheartedly recommendable recommendable about this is john carpenter's outstanding oh yeah yes for yeah i mean like just pull it up and listen to it as an album it's a phenomenal score it's outstanding it deserves a better movie uh just pull up the soundtrack and listen to it uh not for all these things are (laughs) not for nothing uh john carpenter was originally going to direct the 1984 firestarter and he was Mm. signed on did pre-production on him 
there was a there was a script for it and everything. And the reason he got fired from it is because Universal Studios uh, were shy after the backlash of the thing. So when the thing got when the thing got trashed, cause a wheel. They they just decided to fire him from it, and uh, and so that's why uh, Blumhouse Jason Blum invited him to write the score for this, and uh, it kind of reconciles. He, he a did bit. successfully dodge the bullet of directing this one. <laughs> he sure did. He sure did. Directed Christine instead for Columbia. I ain't touching that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. So that puts Firestarter in the books. Uh, as always, the Quarterly Kings are hefty conversations. I thank you all so, so very much for participating in them um, and for, as always, sharing of your hearts and minds uh, as we do on the show. Next week, we are going to be starting into a brand new miniseries uh, that was voted on by the patrons. And that miniseries is going to be a miniseries of just a handful of films, four films, that are horror documentaries. So, what we are going to be doing is they're going to include some material that is... Blair Witch Project. No. uh, It's going to be including material that is about a real-world scary subject or about the making of a horror horror material, as it were. So, what you want to acquaint yourself with next week is a film from 2015 directed by Rodney Asher called The Nightmare. It is about a documentary about sleep paralysis. Acquaint yourself with that film. And also, for our patrons, you can also check out an episode of the Shudder original series called Cursed Films. Uh, We're going to be handling a handful of those uh, episodes, a little mini episode, about a half hour each, uh, talking about the making of some iconic horror films and the, and the supposed curses behind them. For next week, acquaint yourself with specifically the episode about Poltergeist. So the, the subjects for next week are Rodney Asher's film The Nightmare and the episode of Cursed Films about Poltergeist. And we will uh, see you next week for that. As we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Andy, Ian, Blake, Nathan, as always, thank you so very much, both of you. Uh, oh, both of you, I said. <laughs> wow. I'm just used to one other we guest. We know who you're talking about. <laughs> thank you. Thank you all so very much. Appreciate it. Uh, and listeners, we will see you next week. See you guys. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media and episode archive, essays, merchandise, and more. If you love what we do, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast where you will unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online events, and so much more. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork. Our assortment of talented musicians, Andrew Nelson, the Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes. And to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music. Special thank you also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hi, everybody. <laughs>